This is what the shit. I'm your host, Darius DC Chambers. We also have Chris G and Courtney D. And we are, again, what the shit. We are a podcast that likes to talk about anything and everything. We are part of the Black Gamut ENT family. And if you enjoy listening to us, you can give this a try yourself. You know what I'm saying? Just download the free Anchor app. Or go to anchor.fm and do it that way. You know, whichever is easier for you. But thank you for giving us a listen and continue to do so. Soundtrack to bounce back from each loss Until we reach a target, we proceed course There's no quitting, the clock's ticking I seen how the plot thickens Regardless, I never let it throw me I off I want the shit, boy, get on my level yeah. 125 in my own What's going on? You know what time it is? Wild Out Wednesday Oh, wait, no, wrong soul, sorry Wild, sorry, wild sorry. Out Wednesday Sorry no, 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 no. It's what the shit Wednesday. You know what time it is, people. You right here, you with us. It's eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We ain't a place to be. It's the motherfucking man cave. Chris, how's it going? It is going great. Uh we got some great shit going on tonight. Uh coming off a great show once again of Blurred's Eye View. So check that out. Uh Representation Matters after we were on there talking about uh the harder they fall from Netflix. Yes. Uh, so we were checking that out and talking about that, and uh, yeah, and can you look for? I uh, can't wait for tonight. Uh, our guest for tonight because this is. Uh, hmm. <laughs> hold, hold that! Hold that thought. Uh, Courtney's yeah. on the way. He's handling a little business right now. Before we get to our guest, who, if you, 
fuck it. I'm gonna let y'all. I'm gonna let him introduce himself, man. Before we get to that, man, I got one little news and note. Odell is free. They let the man go. <laughs> it was at this moment that he knew he fucked up. They gave Odell his freedom papers. Now Odell is a free agent. He can go wherever he wants. Um, you know what? I'm gonna be honest with you. There's a clip. There's a sound bite. There's a sound bite that that they played, and he was on the sidelines with uh, Nick Chubb. And Odell says, "Man, I want to. I want to get. I want to. I want him to pass me the ball so I can score a cut touchdown." Nick Chubb answers back, "Man, I just want to win." That is in itself already speaks volumes. It does. Speaking of volumes, how, how can I do this? I always like introducing guests, but today we have a guest who has worked the guitar <laughs> like a champ, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. If you hear some of this man's, ah, you know what? I, 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 I kind of, I kind of, okay. So this man has worked with some with some dope ass people his guitar skills are bar none he didn't get the name the hottest kid in the music biz for no reason you know what right. i'm saying this right. name right. comes with a certain gravitas that only you can carry when you carry what you can carry so well so without further ado we got planet 12 law in the building man so Wow. Before Thank I for that intro, appreciate yes. it. Wow. Yes, man. So Much before appreciated. I, before I get to anything else, there's 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 something I gotta say. So prepping for the show, you shared a, a post. Now my computer, I didn't have my headphones. My phone's going nuts. All I hear is boop, boop, bing, bing, bing. I look up, eight hundred people don't like this post. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we made it. Uh. You, <laughs> you I sir, I can't call it. <laughs> you sir, play a guitar like I have not seen many people play. Wow. When did you start playing this guitar, man? Um, well, you know, I, I you know, first and foremost, I, I, you know, thank you for having me. Number one, um, oh man, thank you for coming. For coming home. Two, um, my love for guitar started pretty much with my legendary grandfather, Sam Bluesman Taylor, who played for everybody from Etta James to Otis Redding, um, the Ozzy Brothers when they were a trio before they became the six that we all known in the seventies. And so that was my first guitar hero. So right around that time, you know, I'm like probably about four or five and I had an itch for it because I started on drums is my first instrument. Drums is my first instrument. But I had two cousins who are still nice to this day. Rudy and Rasheen learned under my legendary uncle, Rudy Worrell and Tony T from Austin. So even though I was nice with it, these motherfuckers were like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was like dumb, dumb nice. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to keep playing drums, but there's a certain edge that they got. No, that's obvious because look, look who their, look who their father is. That's my uncle. So mm -hmm. I know. Right? I'm like, you know what? Let me look at the guitar part. And then I discovered three guys that would probably become just as important as my grandfather. And of course, um, without question, um, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, and I, I would definitely say probably um, 
I'm going to say Carlos Santana from a lead perspective, too, oh, because yeah. when I started getting into other guitar players, you know, your style begins to develop. And then, of course, later on, Ernie Ott, when I got to the Ozzy Brothers, Ernie became definitely a focal point, like like most guys that I learned. But on the rhythm side of it, you know, Al McKay from Earth, Wind & Fire, mm. Nile Rodgers, you know, the great Nile Rodgers. Um, um, of course, my legendary, he's not my real uncle, but because of him and my grandfather being close, um, the late, great Albert Collins. So, um, yeah, so I, I grew up in it. So that's where my love for, for guitar started. And then all the other instruments I started playing follow right after that. So, And see, that was a question I was going to have because I seen a clip with you and you were playing the guitar. And I said, I hear levels. I, I hear certain styles. And I know you were mentioning P-Funk. And I was like, I'm hearing P-Funk. I'm hearing Prince. I, I was hearing all of that. Let's not just mention it. The man, I see, I, I, when I seen this picture, I was like, Oh, he could talk royal to you and the godfather of P Funk himself, one George Clinton. How bad? Like, let's talk about that. Yes, let's. Oh my God. I mean, you know, I mean, y'all said a mouthful, but I'm, I'm, I'm of course, I'm gonna add extra to that because. Oh, put some, put, <laughs> hey, do. I tell anybody, put some, if we can't put the funk on it, that you can put the funk on your story. Well, so in the, words, in the words of Rich Boy, we're gonna throw some D's on that bitch. So that's. <laughs> let's go. Let's keep let's it let's go. Keep so, um, you know, without question, I always talk about George Clinton probably the most because keep in mind, you know, as y'all fellas both probably know if y'all have done your homework, which I know that y'all have, um, the music industry is a very interesting place because what happens a lot of times is that when a lot of the other idols of a different color, it could be white, it could be Spanish, and of course I'm talking mostly white, mm-hmm. they try to leave out the black pioneers that truthfully started this shit, especially when it comes to rock and roll. Now, when I say that, I'm, I'm not generalizing like this. There's been a lot of white um, white icons that actually have celebrated us and made sure that the truth was told too. But then there's a handful of them behind the scenes that would try to take credit for certain things that our people started. And George Clinton was at the forefront of a lot of shit. And this is before we want the funk because everybody knows Flashlight. Everybody knows... Um, you know, make my fun to people, people, people that the stuff that we know that's at parties to this day that we play it on. Mm. But George's history is deeper than that because this is a man that started in doo music first, the early part of rock and roll, which is really technically R&B. George was a visionary, and because he was a hairdresser, he understood the mechanics of image how to look crazy without really looking crazy, even though he looked crazy regardless. But George really took the advantage of that. I mean, technically, to be truth be told, before there was a such thing called punk rock, he's the one that invented what we now call the mohawk because George was the only dude that had two sides of his head shaved, as far as as far as far we know, in terms mm-hmm. of that. Like, he was the, the one in, in the public. But um, Parliament Funkadelic had the greatest dilemma, which turned into their greatest success. They were too psychedelic for the black audience, but yet still too hood and ghetto for the white audiences. <laughs> so that's how you bring everything together. And last but not least, to add more to that, when the hip hop culture began to rise up, a lot of the old school guys didn't embrace it. And George was probably the only one. James embraced it too, but James had to, you know what it is? James is like the uncle, he's all right but you don't want to hang around him too long. Whereas George is the cool <laughs> uncle where, and respectfully speaking, respectfully, George is like the cool uncle that you can smoke weed with, 
And he's like, can I sample your stuff? Man, go sample all that shit. Sample all of it. And that's that's the reason why in, in 2021, y'all see him now, right? The man is 80 years old, and he got his grandkids on stage with him, acting a fool. I, I love it. I fucking love it. Because it's almost like he made a point. He said, well, I'm not going to be the old guy in the room, even though I technically am. He said, because you got to remember, if you get into what your, what your kids and, and what they vibe, you know, even if you're not a fan of 100% of it, it opens the door for them to really understand what your legacy is. <laughs> and that's the reason why George in 2021, George Clinton is still relevant. Parliament Funkadelic will forever be relevant long after he leaves this earth. And I'm I'm proud to call him dad, you know, in terms of him being my musical father, because he gave me my first major industry check. He believed in me when nobody else didn't. So it, it's just, you know, like I said, I can go on and on about him. But that's that's the the, the first I, gist of it. I know, I the, know producer, the producer, so we got nothing but time. So okay, I'm cool. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, let's. So I want to transition to this before we get back to George. Sure. You worked with the late, with the late great Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Amy, Amy, Amy. Uh, you know, it, it's it's bittersweet for me each and every time, man. I tell you, um, the one thing I always want fans to know about Amy is that. Amy was truly a music head. Now, keep in mind, she was 20, what, she was 23, 24 when, when I first yeah. started working with her. So the interesting part of this is that her being as young as she was and the fact that she knew who Donny Hathaway was, mm. she understood Nas' lyrics. And she's <laughs> from Camden, London. So... When I first got the job, and that's funny because I always tell the story of how I got the job working with her because basically I was at a point in my career where I done, I done worked with Shaka Khan, I done worked with Freddie Jackson, I done worked with all these people, and I got my own shit going. So if I'm singing back up behind anybody or playing, yeah, I'm, I'm picky. I have to be because my name is attached <laughs> to it forever. And, you know, call it what you want, but that's, that's like you said earlier, that's what happens when you have mileage in the game and you still look this damn good and young at the same time. So when you have it, own it. It's not arrogance. Mm -hmm. It's not conceit. I always tell people when you have it, own it, flaunt it, but just make sure that you own it. The double entendre. So Amy, um, you know, it gave me more leverage because once I saw the song Fuck Me Pumps, I was done. I'm like, yeah, she's dope because <laughs> it's not what it's not what people think it's about. People think it was like a, like, oh, nice. No, it's not what you think it's about. I said, it's, it's actually a deep song. You can hear the Lauren Hill influence. And then when I found out her father, Mitch, was heavy into jazz, that explained everything. I'm like, see, she was reared, she was raised the same way that I was, growing up in a musical family that had a lot of value, a lot of a, a big record collection. So um, she just knew. And my time with her, like I tell you before, my time with her, um, I, I get emotional sometimes. Like just the other night, I had a corporate gig, and um, the the girl that sings in our unit, I didn't even know what song was next. You know, we was in the thing, we were going from song to song to performing, and Valerie came on. And everybody kind of looked over at me. And the thing that came to my mind was the routines. Because, you know, we did all, me and my boy um, Zylon did all the choreography when we performed with her. So that's, we create that choreography, that, which, which is now known all over the world. And, you know, I, I get emotional sometimes because it's almost like, and, you know, just, just to know the influence that she has on a lot of today's generation singers, even the ones that don't necessarily do the kind of music that she did, but it always blows my mind when I hear people like Doja Cat or be like, oh, I love Amy Winehouse. I'm like, wow. So that, make, that makes me feel good. That's forever 
Um, I, I miss her so much, man. I, I truly miss her. My last time that I spoke to her was four months before she passed away. So that was, you know, almost the, the break of that when I had to get the news and, and continue on. So her legacy lives on and, and me and the rest of the fellas that played in that band and sung in that band will continue to make sure that, that she's forever respected. Not not the gossipy shit, not the, right. the, um, the shit that everybody else wants to talk about that we refuse. I've been offered money to actually speak on a lot of that shit. And I told them to go fuck themselves, literally. And, that, I, and that's why I asked you, because a lot of times <laughs> in this world, and as we're getting into this media game, you hear these stories about these people and 99% of it is probably fabricated or something. Somebody told off a whim who knew a person who knew a person who knew a person who might have knew a person. But I wanted to ask you directly because you worked with her. Well, I mean, I, because you, we know how that, that works. And I want to ask you directly because you worked with her. So if somebody's going to be able to tell a story, I want it to come from somebody who was in with her for not just a day. You know what I mean? I'm talking thank about you, working with thank her. Thank you for saying that. Bro, of time. Because I'm a firm, you know, I'm also a journalist too. But the thing is that for me, and the way we learned, when I learned under journalism, under, under, under the professional mandate growing up in New York and in, in NYU and Kingsborough College in Brooklyn, um, the thing that was always told us from my professor was when you trust your own information because you already know what's being picked as what you just said, the reliable source. Because the reliable source, that's why a lot of times, you know, this is what my fans will tell you, whoever, whoever's tuned in, they'll tell you in a heartbeat, like, I'm the kind of person I will sit there and be on social media the whole time. Probably won't post until like later on that night or some shit. Just go through a whole bunch of posts. I literally sit there like Batman. That's my favorite superhero. And I literally <laughs> watch motherfuckers play themselves speaking about what they think they know about mm -hmm. the guys that I've known for 25 years, be it Lionel Richie, Morris Day. I mean, we can go on and on. Like, I, I literally, these are people who I've hung with. I've been in their houses. You definitely can. But even with that, and, and just just and just because I'm saying that, that's a slight flex, but the whole point is that. Hey, hey, on this show, it's called What the Shit. We all about flexing. Yeah, it just, we it, wouldn't it, be here if we didn't flex a little bit every now and then. You got no, no, to stretch, it, it, you got to flex. I say that because it's really honor. That's why. When I flex, when I talk about the guys who I'm close to is because it's reverence on my part. You got to remember everything that mm -hmm. y'all guys and everybody else loves about me or whatever, like everything I always redirected to big daddy Kane, Cool G. Uh -huh. LL Cool J, Grandmaster Cash from Cold Crush, um, Larry Graham. Um, you know, we could go on and on, even, you know, um, Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff, like people who made me who I am, Chucky Booker, um, uh -huh. Ronald Richie, you know, anybody who can think of the people that made me who I am, I want my fans to know that when you celebrate me or anything that you give me, Lord, you don't, you know, I, I appreciate that. I thank you so much. I'm humbled by it. But if it wasn't for these motherfuckers right here, dead and still living, keep in mind, like, that's why I always say salute to the ones that we still got here and salute mm -hmm. to the fallen comrades who died in the line of battle because a lot of our heroes died in the line of duty man musically so it's almost like i, I get emotional about it you know <laughs> i cry like a baby when i got the call that michael jackson passed away because we had a show that week and i literally turned my whole show around and basically made it half of a michael jackson tribute because that's my first mm -hmm. primary outside of my family michael jackson just like any other young black kid that wanted to sing and dance that's my first primary hero. So um, so when I flex like that, that's really what it's about. It's just like I'm still as a I'm a grown ass man, but I'm still pinching myself like 
I'm, I'm hanging out in Hawaii with Lionel Richie by the pool. Let's can, just can we talking. Get on? No, just talking, <laughs> just talking about just regular shit, and then we talk about music, Commodores, because I'm a diehard Commodores fan. So it's almost like for me, <laughs> I get to ask some questions. He I'm going after the, he going after the classics. I was nine. You know, it's fun for me. It's just fun for me. And I feel and I feel it, and that's why I, that's why. I, when I when I was coming up with this, I didn't really write any questions down because we never really do. But I want there were some points I wanted to hit because you've worked with a lot of dope ass people. I'm a fan of a lot of I'm hell I'm a fan. If you're black, you grew up cleaning every Saturday to a lot of these people. Hello, <laughs> by Lionel Richie. That's right. true. That's true. That's very Hello true. Hello by Lionel Richie was one of them songs I didn't understand until I was an adult. Which one? Hello. Oh oh yeah, absolutely. You that song. Is a classic. Listening to those you can songs feel the, the, the you can feel it in his voice. I mean, he you know, really so, you know this girl. <laughs> let, 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 let me get let me get real deep about Lionel for one second because go this, ahead, go. It's your, hey man, it's your show. We just pushing buttons. Man, look, look I love it. <laughs> don't understand about Lionel. Um, Lionel was and still is a rebel in every sense of the word. Because you got to remember when he wrote songs like "Sail On." Um, which was country, basically, country R&B. Um, Three Times a Lady, which was something that his grandfather used to say to his grandmother. Um, lady, You Bring Me Up When I'm Down. I think he co-wrote that. But um, all the other big hits like Oh No and then, of course, Hello. Because Lionel taught the one He says it now, but Lionel taught most of us young singers and songwriters one thing. I don't care how gangster you are. I don't care how hood you are. And, you know, we all hood. We from, from, I represent. So my thing is that hey, even I from know. that perspective, <laughs> at the ending of the day, we are all trying to find some kind of love anywhere we can find it. He said, by the time I'm done with this show, you're going to gonna, gonna remember where you were, what you were doing, and who you was doing it with. So at the ending of the day, Lionel served the purpose. You know, I'm, I'm, the reason I have to say this is because there was a time period where, um, you know, most of our people, not, not I'm going to say most, but let's just say some. I always say the ignorant ones never got it, but the smart ones like myself and y'all that understood the changing of the guard because Lionel Richie didn't go into the studio and say, I'm going to make me a pop record. Lionel Richie wrote love songs. All the funk that the Commodores were doing was, was always prevalent and relevant in the shit. So the crazy part is that Lionel said to me, he said, we never said this is going to be the next single. We just knew that we had to have something for the ladies to listen to. And as y'all know how that is and when it comes to hip hop, hey. I don't care how much your, your rhymes be. And you know, I'm all about the lyricism, as y'all know. So for me, it's mm -hmm. like, you see who my heroes are. So for me, it's like, even as an MC, but thank God for LL, because if LL didn't do I Need Love or Dear Yvette, we wouldn't have what we have now. We wouldn't have the Drakes and, and a lot of these guys that wear their heart on their sleeves. So thank God for Lionel Richie for making what they deemed to be corny accessible. And it changed the game. That's why I was just hanging out with him um, in Las Vegas um, a, a couple of weeks ago for my birthday week. And mind you, I, done did, I did four shows with Lionel, then hung out, been at the show as a guest and just been on stage with him. It never fails. As soon as he hits the chords for Hello on that damn piano... It gets emotional. I, I did the part. Of, the best part of the show for me is watching everybody—black, white, Caucasian, Malaysian—I don't give a fuck. Every 
body is singing every single word. Lionel does not even have to sing if he doesn't want to. I promise you. Every song. Even even yeah, the see, that's a testament to your talent. Yeah. I was surprised, like when he did Fancy Dancer, you gotta be a real diehard Commodore fan to know that one. And I saw this one white guy sitting next to me was like, he said, How on the track? His name of the album. I'm like, you know your shit, blood. I said, I like that. I said, you know, because this is rare when you see guys, but but it, it just goes to show you though. Music is colorblind because the combination of all that and Lionel proved that because all night long is one of the oh, songs dude, this is a, a all night major long, pop yeah. that stopped that stopped a war from happening in a certain part of the country. I don't know if y'all knew that now. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records. There was two countries, I think it was in Kuwait somewhere, they were about to go at it and somebody rolled up. This is a real story. Somebody rolled up with a boom box and played mm. all night long. And guess what? Everybody started dancing in the streets. I think That's we can, I, I think we, y'all can transition to oh. where y'all want to go now. So this is why I'm saying to y'all. <laughs> you know, I believe him, yo. Understand I don't know why, but I do. Will always be um, one of my biggest influences, whether it's funk, pop, R&B, um, AOR, Urban AC, any category you put Lionel in, to me, Lionel's going to always win one way or the other. He has not made anything to me that I sat there and been like, okay, no. Even look, even dance on the ceiling. That's, but yeah, remember, that was the 80s, man. Everything was yeah. cheesy in the fucking 80s. But we loved it. But it was man. ours. It was man, ours. Definitely loved it. It belonged. Yeah, we soaked it up and we still do. Like, you you hear these yeah, tracks yeah. nowadays and you still we... go with it. Yeah. So, let's, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, because I always like asking artists this question. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Michael Jackson effect. And for those who don't know what the Michael Jackson effect is, <laughs> Michael could do a concert and have grown men yeah. blubbering. I'm talking grown men, snot bubbles, tears coming down their eyes, <laughs> fainting and falling out. Yeah, I've seen, oh, Michael, and he's a boop, bubble just pop out his nose. <laughs> and it, But that is a because, like, Michael, there's, not, there's few artists who can do that. And every time I see over in London, Michael was killing him in London. Michael was killing him in London. Talking about grown men fainting for days, passing out, going comatose as yeah. he played. He would stop and people would just still go. Yeah. How did you feel knowing that? Like seeing that? Like how does that, like how as a musician, when you see that, like people are just hanging there. Like as you, you hit that guitar riff and people just... They're like they're 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 comb they're you know what I'm saying they're in that trance. How does that when you hit that moment where everybody's in trance and you got it captivated, the audience is in the palm of your hand, and you're in that pocket and you just hitting everything right, every note's just coming out so beautiful, and you can just stop and it pin drop and it's just complete silent mobs on the it ground. Is, How does that feel? It is the best fucking feeling in the world, and I say this because. You mentioned Michael Jackson. There, there are there are three things that was a turning point for me around five or six years old. As I told y'all earlier, I come from a legendary musical family, so mm-hmm. I had the advantages that most of my friends didn't have growing up on St. Mark's. You know, and the thing was that music was always the prevalent thread that connected everybody. So, um, of course, like most young kids, because I had to go as an '80s baby, we had to go backwards. So I grew up, and the first part of it was. Three albums, you know, Jackson's Triumph album, of course, um, Thriller, without question. Um, oh, without question. And, 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 and the Jackson's live album. So between Motown 25, of course, when he did the, when he did the moonwalk, 
Um, we were all in the house, my aunt, my mother. It, it was an event. It really was an event for all of us in the house. Then you said this, this thing about hitting that note. I'm playing guitar. Now, even though I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm still, I'm, I got a few things down. But when I saw Purple Rain and Prince did Let's Go Crazy and he does that oh, song. Yeah. And, and the way Apollonia and, and, and the way Apollonia stared at him, that's the feeling that I wanted to really, really evoke in terms of that. Cause let's keep it all the way real. Most guys, you know, the whole purpose, just like back in the day with Duwa, like my, my uncle used to say, we used to sing because not only did we like to hear ourselves and how we sounded, but honestly, we was trying to get the ladies. Trying definitely so, like the way you sing. So with that point being made. Even though I was gathering up all of this and learning the Michael Jackson effect, it didn't make sense to me until these five young nappy-headed kids from Boston came on the scene. And I, I, everybody knows who I'm talking about. I'm going to mention them names in a minute, but it made <laughs> sense. You got to remember, Michael Jackson, Prince, James Brown, Jimi Hendrix, and Stevie Wonder, of course, those are my five primary heroes. But guess what? They were all adults. So even though I studied them and I listened to them, and same thing with the barge. But the thing was that they were all adults. It's different when a young kid at nine or eight years old sees someone, you know, because they're older than me. But when you see someone that looks kind of like you and dresses like you and doing what you're doing, because at that time, you know, I was singing, popping and locking and performing and shit. So, of course, without question, for those who don't know who I'm talking about, new edition. It For me... It spoke volumes, and after I saw the Candy Girl video and, and this oh. colorful man, everything for me became about, I want to be like Ralph. Because, you know, I'm going to tell you why. My sister, Ralph, my sister, Ralph was getting it. My, my sister Chi-Chi, I, I, mean, I love all five of them, but my sister Chi-Chi, like most young girls, she was fixated on, I'm Mrs. Tra I want to be Mrs. Trashman. Now, while she's studying him for, other, for, for obvious reasons, I'm studying him because... <laughs> Ralph had obviously studied Michael. It was so obvious. and the But it was a dope kind of obvious because he still had his own personal touch to his influence with, with Michael's influences. So I begged my uncle, my uncle Bobby, um, God bless his soul, my, my teacher, my everything. My uncle Bobby had won 13 times at the Apollo because he had one of the greatest falsettos in, in the local Brooklyn scene. So who better to teach me than him? I said, hey, uncle, I want to sing Lost in Love by New Edition for the next talent show. Because at that point, I hadn't been to talent show at that magnitude for my school. And lo and behold, groom me. I was ready. And as soon as I hit that first, would you love me? And the girl started screaming. Now, for a nine-year-old, I mean, it's like, if I didn't know what I wanted to do then, I would have been playing myself. And then when, and then, then when my mother surprised me, I did good in school, my mother was like, guess what? New Edition is going to be in, in Manhattan. And she took me to go see. This is the original line when Bobby was still in it. And when I saw that concert, I put those into together. I said, let's see. The Jacksons, because I love all six Jacksons. Prince, Stevie, Hendrix, New Edition, James Brown. That's my whole limo right there. And everything else that I get into later on will be in between. So going back to what you said, the effect of that, it, it, you're right. It transformed. That's why I said, name, name a singer Michael didn't influence. I'll wait. Because Michael, Michael presented, he understood what it meant to do a show. If it we wasn't, if it wasn't his singing, Michael, Michael it was his front dancing. Guy. Yeah, yeah, Michael being the front guy, because people, that's why I, I used to, I, I used to shut arguments down. I'm, I'm close to a few of the Jacksons. We talk about this all the time. I said, listen, 
all six Jacksons are dope as hell. And people forget yes. they made my, it wasn't a situation where it was like, okay, well, you know, we just might as well just make Michael the lead singer. When Jermaine and them finally heard their little brother sing, that's how the story goes. When they finally heard, you've been saying, mm-hmm. I can sing, I can sing. It's like, okay, Mike, go, go play with your toys. It, big brother, little brother shit. Who, I grew up in a house for siblings, so I know. And then when they yeah. finally heard him sing in the talent show, they were like, yeah, come come on, little bro. You in. You're definitely in. So from the very beginning, that was the template. That's why when people was like, oh, they were jealous. How? They were all part of the same unit, and everybody understood their roles and assignments. So Michael, of course, being the front man, like, like Ralph Tresvan, like so many other people I can name, you're going to get the fair share, if not more of the attention. That's what happens. So Michael became, he was a focal point. So you couldn't help but look at the way Michael could just side moonwalk, stand there, do his little, you know, do his little shoulder shit. And that thing, and then and then especially when him and the Jackson started doing this shit, all that, that type of shit. Can you feel it? Drive, yeah, that used to drive my family crazy. So me and my cousins, we became the Jacksons for the home talent shows in my house. So of course I was Michael because I'm the only one that had a had a real voice besides my um my sister. So, and the thing was just that Chi Chi was Marlon because she could dance just as good as I could. So that was like okay, we be Michael and Marlon. My older brother be Jackie because he's the oldest trying to hang with the hang with his little brothers. And my uncle Bobby was Jermaine because of course my uncle Bobby had to had to fall settle, but his his mid range my uncle's mid range was crazy. So. I learned so much in that time span. So Michael Jackson is definitely what I call the common thread between any of us guys who dare to call ourselves. And last but not least, he was forever a student. And this is the reason why I love Michael even more so. One of the greatest things he ever said when they asked him in that interview, he said, um, he said, what's going through your head when you're dancing? And he said, nothing. You know how he talks. Nothing. Thinking is a dancer's worst mistake. You have to feel that. I said, yeah, that's true. He said, I become the string. I become the, oh, now he started talking about, I become this. And then I thought about it. If you look at the Jackson's routines, a lot of the shit that they did was based off of the horns, the string arrangements. Like they always did certain things. I'm like the embodiment of dance. And then the fact that Michael's voice control, because Michael is one of the only few singers who was deadly when he was a kid vocally but became even deadlier in his mid-range voice his lower voice like nobody else could he made the perfect transition and of course sadly without without getting into the the negative part of it unfortunately it came with a price so yeah yeah man uh um, legendary and you're right it, it does looking back at a, that yeah you, you look <laughs> back at a lot of what they did they, they it was it was a major influence in, in music industry period and you're right when you say what he's done, what his influences brought. You think there's the Chris Tucker, there's Ushers, there's Chris Brown, there's all these <laughs> actors and performers and artists have somehow managed to get this from Michael. And Michael was six degrees of separation from Michael every, Jackson. Yeah, so it, it's it's amazing. You just nailed it. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> I want to get to my favorite, which is the purple one, um, Prince. <laughs> um, Prince Nelson Rogers oh, played basketball. Without, without playing with the other. <laughs> this man can play basketball. 
wear heels, jeans, and steal your girl. You steal your girl. Yeah. Right. Damn right about that. With, you with, feel me with, like with finger waves. With, with finger, finger waves, waves. <laughs> hoop earrings, a net t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like Prince. Steal your chick in a heart. Look, him, Mickey Free, and Gene <laughs> and my Mickey. crew. The and whole crew. Free. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mickey Free. <laughs> That's my dude. Mickey Free's my boy. That's why I'm saying, like, I know that for a fact. I'm like, I, I knew the click back in there. I didn't know them back in there. I was, I was still a kid, but I knew the stories. Before mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle, I heard all these stories. That's why when he did it, I was rolling on the floor. I'm like, yo, they gave him all the information. I said, this is true. I said, I heard this shit before. <laughs> so this is why it's so it's so interesting to even hear that. But I'm sorry. I'm going to cut you off. My bad. Oh, man. Hey, man. Again, it's your show. We just pushing buttons. Uh, the floor is yours. I, I, we digging it. I mean, no, you so much about Prince. You wanted to, I, I think you want to elaborate on just what, what, what you were saying. I just, want, I just want to name drop Prince because that was my favorite person. Well, like, <laughs> Prince, because I like Prince because mm-hmm. if you hear him talk, his voice is deep as shit. But when yeah. that man sings, he hits notes in different ranges. You, He was, you know what I mean? And well, then, here's the interesting thing. Michael started as my primary hero, but then Prince later eclipsed him for obvious reasons. And not because it's not a competition. What I'm saying is that even though Michael had got me to a certain point, we're talking about the ages of five and nine and 10. I'm, I had the cute, pubescent mm-hmm. voice. I was doing the Michael routines and stuff and talent shows, doing shows with my mother, Parks Department stuff, making my little money. At, at eight years old, I was already hustling and getting that money for singing. And for <laughs> y'all, yeah, but it's just the truth. But um, <laughs> Prince was a whole nother enigma for me because now you got to understand something. The quality of musicianship, and you know who Prince's hero is, Stevie Wonder. So mm-hmm. think about this. I began to study the line. I'm a, I'm a liner notes kid. I began to look at the liner notes. I'm reading. What? A, he played the, oh, she played drums too? What? And then I'm learning. Prince would go on stage and do an eight-minute guitar solo, but then yep. put that shit down and do Housequake and go into a full James Brown assault split with a little bit of his own shit, because whatever quirky shit that Prince started doing, nobody knew what the hell this was. And <laughs> hey, Prince, but that shit got it. him, though. <laughs> Prince did it. He made humping the floor fashionable before Bobby Brown. Nah. So at the ending of the day... It's like Prince knew how to marry things with shock value, but at the ending of the day, no matter how crazy he looked and no matter whether we question what his sexuality was, which we now know it, you know, it was hetero, but it, 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 honestly, to be, to be real with you, it wouldn't have mattered if he did it didn't matter. I mean, I'm I mean, not like Prince musically, for me, because, you know, for me, it's all about the music. I get your personal preference, that's your business. But when it comes to the music part of it, Prince knew how to push the button, so to speak, because he said, okay, the only way I'm going to get people to really understand that we're doing that. We're talking about a 17-year-old kid from Minneapolis, of all places, that told his record label, do not market me as an R&B artist. And they scratched their head like, but we signed you because he said, no, no, do not market me as an R&B artist. Because Prince already knew in his mind what his legacy was going to be. I'm going to do all styles of music. So it spoke to me on a deeper level beyond Purple Rain. Because keep in mind, at the Purple Rain, uh, if you, uh, to this day, I'll give you a perfect example. You ask the general fan, there's general Prince fans, and then there's us diehard Prince fans that followed everything that he did. Even if we didn't like the last couple of albums he did before he passed away, it doesn't matter. But at the ending of the day, Prince is Prince. So 
a lot of people will run to Purple Rain for, and I understand why, because it was large, it was it was large like um, Thriller was. But mm-hmm. for those of us who understood Prince's musicianship and songwriting, and how he knew how to weave all these styles together, it was deeper than the mission that people thought he was there for. Yeah, the girls want to look at his ass, but you know us guys, we looking at the fact that this motherfucker just jumped on piano and did a classical concerto. Baby, baby, baby. Like he just, and then he goes to that shit, and then he just picks up a guitar again and goes on a damn rampage. So, and then does another after show for another two hours. So for me, the gears had to switch. And then I'm listening to Stevie Wonder at the same time, which is his hero, like I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Now my my mindset as a songwriter and a producer is coming into play because even though R&B and funk are my roots, that's not all I wanted to do. I wanted If I wanted to be taken seriously as a musician and be able to get work as a singer and a musician, I want to do all of it. I don't want to be left behind because I can't play. I don't want to be left behind playing blues because I can't do a rock solo. I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to be the guy that can literally, if you ask me, I can give you 95% of it or 100 at least. So my thing is that that's where Prince became the most important. And then he was so fucking rebellious with it. Didn't give a shit. He said, listen, I'm going to go on MTV and I'm gonna wear some ass assless chaps with the with the lace covering my ass. <laughs> and guess what? what and the, I, I know y'all gonna talk about me, so it doesn't even matter. So guess what? At the end of the day, that album Diamonds and Pearls sold six million records. So Prince, there was a method to his madness because he bolted on all the imagery, all the controversy. No pun intended. <laughs> he, he that's why they was called controversy. What's the first lyrics of that song? He wrote it because he knew. He said, "I can't understand the things people say. Am I black or white? Am I straight or gay?" So the thing is that he knew. Let's play on that yeah. for a second. Let's let's keep playing on that. I'm gonna keep y'all motherfuckers guessing. Meanwhile, I got Carmen Electra. I got shit. <laughs> yeah. He had the whole roster. I got look, respectfully speaking, because you no know, Nona Gay is my best friend. So I remember they dated for a while too. I, I got Nona Gay. <laughs> so it's almost like, you know, you couldn't even question that. And then you begin to realize just how much of a fucking genius he was and still is, even in his death. Because every time I get up on stage, I have my moments throughout my show. What would Prince do at a time like this? Okay, jump on the piano. <laughs> And I do. I, I'm now, the piano, so. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I seen a picture. You had got leg surgery, and I seen this picture. You in this suit, and doing a full print sprint in this suit, like talking about rehab. What I was like, my <laughs> man. <laughs> I was like, my man out here. My knees don't even. If I get knee surgery, I'm sitting my ass down somewhere. Man, listen, you got you out here doing full splits, and the pitcher caught you in the air. So I'm like, oh, I know he landed that joint. But it's just, and I say that to say this because just watching, you know what I mean, and just like I said, hearing the stories, man, and doing the research when I, you know, look at things and hear things, you. And I said this, uh, and we interviewed some people, and it's always dope to hear these stories because as fans that we are of music, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? To be able to hear these stories from a person who lived it as opposed to TMZ or MTV. That's why I said when I asked you about wow. Amy Winehouse, I want to hear it from the source. I don't care what Harvey, whatever his name is, holding the cup, got to say. I don't care about <laughs> Sway. 
Respect sway. I don't care about sway. <laughs> Respect the sway and what he do. Yeah. I want to hear from somebody who lived it. Because like I said, if you're not getting it from the source, how real is it? That's you know what I mean? I've always felt that way. And I, and, I, and I continue to operate. And I guess that's the Brooklyn hood boy in me. Because if you know anything about us Brooklyn hood boys, man, like we, um, you know, most, and I always make this joke, even though it's a serious one, but um, most mafia ties are from Brooklyn. If you think about the mm -hmm. connection between mm -hmm. that, and, and if you think about the word mafia, when I say that, I say that in respect to um, when I talk about these guys and people who I work with or I met. Remember, I never Mars Day has been one of my closest friends for twenty years, like my big brother, twenty years, and I got yeah. stories with him, with just me and him doing tours and stuff like that, that were unbelievable because he tell nobody tells a better print story than him naturally, obviously. So the thing is of that. Course. Um, for me, it's the sacred part of knowing that, God forbid, if we ever lose any of these guys, they're going to know that when I tell the story, it's going to be vivid. It's going to be real. And guess what? Some In true Brooklyn Mafia fashion, some stories I can tell and some I'll never tell. <laughs> he said it. Like, the ones you, he said it like a Brooklyn mafia. I will take hey. it. I will take it to the grave, Goodfellas it. style. Never rat on your friends and keep your mouth shut. Certain things don't they need supposed to be told. Right. That's so the it. thing about That's me it. is that, and, and mind you, because even though a lot of times, you gotta remember, I was I was Jerome's mouthpiece for a number of years before he got on. So he's on social media now. He hated social media. Jerome from Mars in the time for those that don't know. Yeah. I was Jerome's mouthpiece for many years because people were. We're putting up these websites and making up all kind of things that they thought was true. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Or that they thought, oh, they knew this. And then, oh, you know, I, I heard Jerome. You know, I heard Jerome was. I, I said, not true at all. I've been around these folks. I get the real stories. I'm here. And I'm not because I'm searching for stories. It's because I share my stories with them, too, for the, for the years that I put in. Not more than them. But, of course, up until I got to where I'm at now with, with, in terms of my legacy and everything. But it's very interesting. So it's a protection thing, too, because I just felt like um, when people talk about a lot of these artists, they forget that there are certain things that do need to be spoken about for the simple fact that you're either going to learn a lesson or you're going to learn about the music business, which I think is the most important thing, because um, yes. a lot of our heroes turned to substance abuse because of depression, because of a lot of different things that they weren't able to deal with. And they didn't and remember back then we didn't have the technology that we have today. So we didn't have social media back then. So can you imagine if new edition would have known what they know now, they wouldn't have been getting a dollar 87 after doing a 30 right. tour. So, right. is, so that's why I'm glad that these things are documented and that we can talk about certain things. But like I said, some stories I will tell and some I just never will. Let's 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 talk about that because I've for some reason this month has been this this season has been um very music heavy. We had a lot of different music artists on. And one question I like to ask is there's ups and downs in music. We all know that the music game has its pitfalls. You like you just said yourself. Um have you experienced more highs than lows or vice versa? Um actually and I, and I'm proud to say this Cause you know, I just celebrated a birthday. So <laughs> a happy birthday. I have, thank you. Happy um, belated. Happy I have definitely had more highs and lows. I can proudly say that. And I can be honest, and this is not a bragging thing, but I think the main reason why that is, is because I learned very early in the game 
about protecting. See, nowadays you see these memes, protect your energy. I was doing that at 15. So for me, <laughs> when you, you, and this is just talking about going back to eight to 88, 89, 90. So it's almost like, and I'm, in, and I'm from the streets of Brooklyn, Crown Heights, Albany Project, St. Mark's app. So you run that video in your mind and that'll give you a, a really pretty cool idea of what it was like to be someone like me who had friends who were gang members, hustlers. Then I got my artsy, nerdy friends because I'm intelligent too. So my protection of my energy and the people who were around me was very important. So when I learned the industry, I learned from the best people around me. My grandfather, my legendary yeah. grandfather, um, you know, his work with BT Express, they did him dirty. Not the band, but the, um, the, 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 the label. They did him dirty. And I thought my grandfather was rich growing up because I would every time I would visit him in California as a kid, that's my first time I went out to L.A., palm trees. And he is in this nice house. I see the gold records on the wall, which I now own to this day. I, I own it now. And he would always say to me, they took, they gave me the gold record, but they took away the gold. That's how he talked. And it's like he began to school me on things like publishing, royalties, um, how to have ownership of your master's. I was learning this shit at 15, 16 years old. So, of course, you can imagine the hell that I went through when I began to shop my record to record labels around New York City and, and abroad. Because I I thought, because, you know, sometimes the industry will have me thinking it's you. Like, oh, you're not good. Oh, well, we, we oh, no, that we, we're not, we're just not looking for that right now. Or, you know, that. And then I came to learn. I took a friend of mine to tell me this. Law. The bottom line is that you're too intelligent for a lot mm -hmm. of these labels because that's why they like them young, younger than you and even just as young as you. Because once they feel that they can manipulate you and you don't need a lawyer, they throw money in your face thinking you're going to jump. But the fact that you didn't do any of those things, it gave you more power. So that's when they realize in their brain, oh, well, we can't, we couldn't sign him because he, wow, he plays seven instruments. Thank you, Prince. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he can produce by an arranger. Thank you, Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Wow, he can actually rhyme and write his own rhymes. Thank you, Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> so it's almost like that—that that was a no-brainer for them because they want to make sure that their people get paid. So that's when I realized mm -hmm. that okay, the labels are not checking for me, not because I don't have talent, not because the music wasn't dope. Because obviously, you see my fan base now. My music's always been what it's been to my fans, but I realized they couldn't outsmart me. So mm -hmm. now I'm forced to make myself a valuable commodity. So because of that valuable commodity, that is the reason why I have experienced more highs than lows because I figured it out. I said, you know what? I'm in the lane that nobody really has right now. And then at that same time, the corporate gigs were looking for guys like me because they were trying to find singers that couldn't that, that could rap, but they, they were corny. They couldn't really rap. And they rappers that couldn't sing. And they said, oh, shit. Oh, did he sing and he can rap? Like, he can make it believable. And with that, and thanks to Element, shout out to Element Music, Element Music, Marianne Bennett, Starlight Orchestras, um, all the corporate agencies who I worked with over the last 20 years. I've been the number one guy for 20 years in these agencies here in New York. When we traveled, the way, that's actually how me and Lionel Richie met. And we, we struck a relationship because of that part, me being in the forefront as a frontline leader for all these groups because I became the template on this is how it's supposed to be done. I didn't come in, I didn't come in with that philosophy. I just came in doing what me and my boys have been doing for the last 10 years. Yeah. So my thing was just that if that's new to a whole nother arena, you know what that means? That means 
foundation and compensation. So at the end of the mm-hmm. day, that's, it, a, that's it, a good. That's some good. So that's, 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 yeah. that's a gym right there. Foundation and compensation. That's well, a gym right or, there. Or, 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 or as um uh, Nino Brown said, combinating and consolidating. So it's just, you know, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know it's the same shit. So with that being said, um, I think because I've had knowledge of the industry at such a young age. That gave me a leverage. So, of course, in the words of Stevie Wonder, to a lot of people, I became like a, a Mr. Know-it-all. And I, and I wasn't even trying to be that. It was just more so I can't help who I know, and I mm-hmm. damn sure ain't going to make no apologies for what I've learned because, as we all know, it's a cliche statement, but y'all know the phrase, yeah, knowledge you know it's, power. Yeah, it's power. Yes, sir. And the more knowledge you have in any any subject, Anything that you're pursuing, okay, no, it don't even have to be music. It just be any field that you choose to go in. Entrepreneurship, you know, stock management, like the real estate. If you're going to apply pressure, go all the way with it. So I yeah, made right. myself a valuable commodity. I figure like this: they're going to see me one day, at some point. And, and, and mind you, by the time they see me, in the words of Fat Joe, yesterday's price. It's not, not today. So think about y'all podcast. You think it's a game? Get fired on these bitches one time. Had to, get oh, had to hit fire on that one real quick, man. But, uh, but think, think about the podcast <laughs> for a second. Like, like the fact that y'all growing it the way that y'all growing it, because what I love about y'all podcast and all the other ones that I've been on, even my own podcast that I have on Instagram where I'm bringing all my, my iconic friends to, to chat with, it's Go ahead, shameless awesome. plug, real quick. Shameless plug. Tell them where they can find that name. Oh no, no, it's, it's on. It's, it's on Instagram. It's on my. It's in my IGTV section. I that. I had Kenny Lattimore on there. I had CC Peniston. I have Vanessa Ooh. Williams. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! I have my heroes on there. So it's that's that. Kenny Lattimore, man. Man, listen. That that became my fans have been asking me to do that for almost not the podcast. They just wanted me to do anything that that showed the historian side of who I was. Because again, I never sat here and said. I'm going to be a, a great music historian. I again, I'm from a family of musicians that been in the game, so I learned things that the average musician probably wouldn't know mm-hmm. unless they were where I was at eight years old. So it's a different thing. But um, the whole thing is that when you apply all those things, I just knew. I said at some point things are going to go my way. I just got to keep grinding and and thank God for, for the mentality and the hustle that I had even as a teenager because. Um, through all the changes that have been going on in music, I manage to do that. So every time when you see comments on my page and people just like, oh my, Lord, you're like a teenager, man. Like, what, what's your secret? You're, and then no surgery, none of that shit. It's like, I simply live life and I kept hustling. I could have got depressed and, and started mm-hmm. smoking my brains out or, or, or turning to alcohol to fuel the pain of the fact that the industry is not feeling me. But then, come on, when Lionel Richie's a fan of yours, you really can't lose. When George Clinton, yeah. when George Clinton invites you to live in his home for three months, you can't lose. When Shaka Khan recognizes your voice in the background section as the opening act, you're doing something right, man. Okay. So it's almost like, how could I lose with all my heroes? Then when Big Daddy Kane calls you up and says, "Hey, um, thirty minutes, you want to open up for me at BB King's?" I mean, come Hells on. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> I get emotional. It's look, you see, I get emotional. So it's almost like for me, why would why would I be mad again at this point in my career? I don't have anything to be mad about. So my thing is just, I mean, of course, you know, the 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 human part of me, and because watching a lot of these young artists get ripped off, and then I know y'all saw the, the recent um the, oh yeah, I was about to ask yeah, you about the, that. The she got yeah, ripped. Now mind you, I already knew that about Snoop Dogg. I already knew because if you if you heard all the other interviews he did. He had already said, he said, 
Master P. People were baffled. They was like, well, we thought Death Row was a label that paid. I said, nope. They weren't getting money. He said, Master P showed us the tangible money. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he said, they said, I had a bank account. He said, I never had a bank account. So think about that for one second. See, now it's becoming popular now because Snoop Dogg is finally telling more of the truth. But I've been saying this shit for the last 15 years, bro, on social media and every panel that I went to, me and um the great Wendy Day. That's one of my mentors, Rap Coalition. That's my mentor because we've been telling people, it was like, well, damn, Lord, how, do you, how the hell do you get two checks for one song? Easy, because I'm the writer and I'm the publisher of my own song. Mm-hmm. That's free game right there I'm giving you. Right there. You're right. <laughs> Right there. So if I'm, if I'm making, he's like, well, here's the much money you made. I said the most I ever made for the, the part of my royalties for my first album was like six like six grand. I remember one time I had like eight grand or something. It was crazy. I'm just like, oh, shit. And this is off of reality television because remember, I'm an independent, no major label. So think about that for one second. In my first, of like 2012, 2011, then I'm getting licensed songs on all these different realities. So my cousin's like, yo, Lord, we are just song on, on, on the real world. So it's almost like you ain't gotta pay nobody. I, I, I gotta right. pay nobody because I wrote it, I produced it, I play all the instruments on it. It's not because I'm I'm trying to be selfish, it's simply because like Prince, I had to trust in myself. So learning how to play all these instruments before I turned 13 was already a goal because I knew in the long run it would benefit me no matter how many hours I put into it, even though it was it was sleepless nights. I would my mother literally would have to wake me up with the guitar in my hand. I'm in my chair like this. I'm literally sleeping and my mother had to wake me up <laughs> to get ready for school the next day. So the thing is that that's when you're committed to the to the craft and most importantly, you're committed to the grind because the thing about it was that I wasn't going to let anything throw me off my course. I just sat here and watched all the changes of the music industry happen and somehow or another, somebody always be like, Lord, you always find a way to, to either showcase something or something great always happens. I said, you know why? Because I speak it into existence and I don't let anybody, nobody controls my fate or my destiny, but me, mm-hmm. not the industry. I don't envy nobody. I'm not jealous of nobody because people on the stage like, Oh, you, you selling platinum. I said, yeah. And, and, and I hope his contract is okay. I said, because mm. all that shit don't mean <laughs> nothing. If you find out years later, you don't want eight Grammys. Cause as you know, the, the music industry is living proof. You can win all the Grammys, all the Soul Train Awards, sell a gazillion of records, and still be broke as Dead all. Fuckity fuck, fuck, fuck. So definitely, yeah. And we, we uh, still we just recently seen something like that. And it's, yeah, I don't, it's I can't crazy. remember her name right now, but they gave uh, her. I gave Summer Walker. Out, Summer Walker's oh, contract. Yeah, Summer Walker. Her contract ain't worth the Magna Carta right now. She couldn't wipe her <laughs> ass with that contract right now. There's no way. There's no way Yo, you get like a million streams. They gave her eighty thousand up front, and she don't own nothing. No masters. No. Because tapes, you know why? I'm, nothing. Let me say this real quick. You want to know why? Because it's what I call the chasing nigga mentality. Dangle the bait. Now keep in mind. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna keep it real. I can see why we. I'm talking about we as a people, not us. But mm-hmm. I can see why a lot of our artists fell into that trap back in the day. Just think about it. If you come from nothing, if you come from third war, like the New Orleans, like Master P, and I'm not, but Master, Master people smart though, but I love the guy. Oh, yeah, Master you come P. from the Houston Fifth Ward, Albany Projects, Crenshaw, Nickerson Gardens, if you come from any hood in America and somebody offers you even 20,000, mm-hmm. 50,000, you're not going to read the fine print of a fucking contract either because all you're thinking about. 
All you're thinking about is we got no food on the table. I'm still in the projects. I'm not eating. Because again, we weren't taught the spiritual foundation. We, we, we wasn't taught at that time. I mean, I was, but I was taught early. Like, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. So why would I put my destiny in the hands of a record label and I don't know what the hell I'm signing and then let alone when I start doing these other things because people don't keep their publishing. Summer Walker had one of the biggest buzzes since last year and the year before that. So you would mm-hmm. think that this new record she got coming out is number one on the, on the billboard or some shit. And your con, but girl, your contract is screwed. So all that shit that you done sold is in vain. And because I know for a fact, respectfully speaking, like I said, I'm a fan of her work, but um, she didn't write all her stuff. So that's another whammy you got to deal with now. Because mm-hmm. now, you know, if, I mean, you, if you cola, if you co-wrote your song, that's good. But that's not good if you got to split that shit with six other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Who's getting the money? So I think like I said, like every that. every every million streams is like six hundred dollars. I'm like, that's yeah, not and and, and, and that's, that's why I think this is why I encourage and I and I'll say this because people always you know people get mad at me because I'm so passionate with it, but it's the truth. This is why every artist that I meet, whether they're older or younger or right around around my age, I always tell them learn how to produce right and record yourself in your own records. My daughter, my oldest daughter, um, Sandriel, my daughter engineer, she's, she's a better engineer. I'm, I know a little bit about engineering, that's why I have, a, I have two dope ass engineers. My daughter taught me how to record myself on my laptop. This is going back to seven years ago. I had never thought about it. I had garage, man. I was making my tracks and stuff off of that and I had my eye rig and shit, but she's the one, I had to do a P-Funk record with my boy Gabe, but Gabe was in Detroit and I had a bunch of shows. I'm like, damn, I wanted to go in the studio and record. And my daughter was like, dad, where's your laptop? I'm like, right here. She's like, we got garage band. It's like, yeah, and she's like, dad, you know it's nothing but Logic Pro, right? Oh shit, let me set it up for you. She did a whole thing for me. Well, how many parts you gonna lay on this song, dad? I'm like, probably about four, it's like some army stuff. She said, do that and then and, and call me back in the room. My daughter did her whole mixtape in one week. Vocals. I taught her how to mix. I taught her how to produce. And I kind of taught her how to sing. But she taught herself how to engineer. Knowledge is power. You apply it and you put it on such a grand scale. That's because they see me hustle. They know it. And my daughter probably said, okay, I want to get into this faction of the game. My daughter don't, you know, she's a girl. Think about this for one second. And I said, you know the reason why I'm glad that I taught you that and what you know what you know? Because... I don't want you to ever be in a situation where you have to depend on no nigga to do nothing for you because guys are going to come at you in this industry. They're going to come at you. Mm-hmm. Look, look, she built like her mama. So it's almost like, you know, you like your mama. She's gorgeous the whole bit. They're going to come at you. And the main thing is that I want you to be able to know, oh, oh she's she not giving up. We're not going to give us. Because that's how it is. And unfortunately, a lot of, in the, a lot of Yeah, yeah you hear yeah, the stories. We're not going to give her no studio time. So guess what? You can be able to walk out. Okay, you know what? I'm good. Thank you. And guess what? Do your own shit. That way you don't ever have to be, don't put, in other words, don't put your hands in your fate in the hands of another motherfucker that can use that shit against you forever. I am sucker free. Over 20 years in this music business, no one can, even my agencies I'm with now, and mind you, I've been with agency for 20 years because I have seniority because they did right by me the whole fucking time. Who can say that in the, in the music industry? My agent yeah. is still my agent for the last 20 years. That's why I'm, I'm that's why I was able to get money during the pandemic without stepping on stage. 
Let's, let that run in your mind. That's right there. That's testament right there. I mean, you still see, like we just mentioned Summer Walker, we still see a lot of these same tropes, these same states. 360 deals? Yeah, you know, these three. Exactly. You know, and it's like, I'm like, yo, like you, you've heard Prince say it. You've heard Michael Jackson say it. Like, yeah. own your masters. Like, yeah, I mean, was, <laughs> we adopted that here. Like, we all, like, we have media partners. We work with a lot of people, but our content is owned by us. Um, so I feel that when, like, when you say that, like the knowledge of me and being able to have your name on it and knowing when your name's on it, nobody else is underneath it or underneath that, or somebody's above yours. That is important because anybody can do whatever they want when they own it, whether your name is on it, if they own it, that, 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 per- that, that per- to me, perfect example, um, Johnny Gill going back to new edition. Johnny Gill says something in an interview that was very profound. I can't say it no better than him, so I'm quoting him. In case y'all didn't know or, did, or, did, or didn't know, um, Johnny Gill has had his own record label for the last, I'm going to say, seven years now. Um, and he put out an album called Game Changer. I think it's like his seventh album. Mm. And it gave New Edition his first number one record since 1997. Now watch this. On his own label, it's called Skills Entertainment. He made a point. He said, "See, you understand something." He said, "When I was signed to Motown, he, no, he said, no disrespect to Motown and the guys that that helped my career, because thank God for them, even though that things didn't work for the long haul of it all." He said, mm-hmm. "But the main thing for me was that if I would have put Game Changer out on Motown and that first single that y'all guys love so much, and thank God for he said, thank you for buying it." He said, "The first thing I love so much, if that shit would have only rose to number twenty nine the label would have killed my, my album would have been dead on arrival. Mm. But because I own Game Changer, it gives me the carte blanche to do what? I can re-release my shit. I can, I can put out seven singles if I want to for the fuck of it. Just, just to say that I own it. I, even though, even though you bought the single, buy, buy the shit again. I own it. This is me. I have it. He was able to work that album for two years because it's <laughs> under his label. So it goes back to what you said, DC. The ownership part of who you are and what y'all guys are about. Like I said, no matter what the media media is, it's, it gives you that power and that leverage. Because again, I promise you, if I ever, I tell people sometimes, like, would you would you sign to a major record label? I said, um, if they're talking right, and when I say talking right, I don't mean with their mouths. I mean, my lawyer's going to be right here present. I'm going to give him the contract. What what are we looking at here? Oh, this is not in your favor, law. Oh, well, I guess we can't do business because if it's not going to be in my favor for what I built with my brand, mm-hmm. why, why, why would I waste at this age and stage in the game? Why the fuck would I waste my time? I don't have I don't have time to waste. Look, look, mm-hmm. we're not old, but we're older. It's a difference. Yeah, we better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> have time for that. You see, you see why I look the way I look because the thing is, is that. I noticed over the years, that's where the stress factor is coming out for many of our entertainers. That's why I look, think about it. Was, wasn't it Summer Walker that, that contemplated wanting to leave? Um, Tiana Taylor talking about this is her farewell tour because she's out of the, the industry because she feels mm-hmm. like she don't get the recognition. And meanwhile, she's a queen to us. We love her. We we give yeah. her the flowers and everything. But psychologically, what this music industry will do to you, that's why I always tell people, learn your craft, um, be on your grind. But there's one important thing that you forgot. It's probably the most important thing. If your spirit and your energy is not strong, you might as well not even come into this business because I promise yeah, no. you, you're going to run into a lot of fuckery, fakery, disappointment. And let me just say this on a deeper level. People always get mad at me 
when I talk about the fact that, you know, Vanilla Ice is one of my heroes, you know, Vanilla Ice showed me mad love. He's, I was like, wow. I said, that's, I, said, I always love Vanilla Ice. And the thing is that you had these whole taps come and try to, they, they have yeah. Look, I'm the, yeah. I'm a son of a Black Panther mother. So I don't give a fuck. They can tell me whatever they want to tell me. So I'm sitting there looking at them and I'm like, it's so crazy because y'all talking about the fact that Donnie Wahlberg, New Kids on the Block, that shout out to my big bro for life, Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah. I get the support of all my heroes who happen to be white. But yet, some of y'all black folks ain't never been to my show. Mm-mm. Y'all didn't support. Y'all didn't. Y'all didn't buy the merch when I put it out. So my thing is that unless you're supporting me, I don't hear shit you have to say to me. Because my thing is that the contingent part of how I market it and control my my product, whether it's the music, whether it's the fashion, or whatever the case may be, I'm not gonna let anybody sit there and dictate to me who the fuck my fan base is. Straight, gay, black, white, I don't give a fuck. If my music moves you, my music is for you. It's for you. Whether you're from the hood or the richest white person. And mind you, a lot of my friends who are rich, they love my music. Every time we go and do a show over there where they at, they they come through. People don't be honest. He's like, yeah, we saw this one guy said that was Tony Cochran. If you understand how much, if I told you what Tony Cochran do for a living, it would blow your mind. But the thing is, that's not even important. The bottom line is that he could have stayed home with his wife tonight, but they came to see the Brooklyn boy throw down. And y'all know me, ain't nothing soft about my shit. So think about that for one second. They paid tickets and they paid for their friends to come and see me. That's called support. That's why I have that slogan. And they, and they paid full price. They ain't asked for no discount. Yeah, no discounts, right. none of that shit. Not to hook up. <laughs> well, let, me, I mean, let me get yeah. half off. I mean, but you know that already because that support system, but this is the reason why, because I say this in reference to our people because Unfortunately, most times our people is the first to talk all this shit about who's doing what, who's supporting you. Oh, he's married to a white girl or she's married to a white man or whatever. They say all this mm-hmm. shit. But then the first thing I'd be like, I'm like, where were you? Where where, where were you when I needed you? Where were you when we, when we, when we were in the hood putting out the shit on mixtapes and trying to get them to everybody? So my thing is just that. The minute you get caught up in that, and that's why the, the, the fans fuck with me to this day, because I'm not going to sit there at the expense of my own purpose to not let my people know. I've been done more dirty in this business by my own people than other races. So I'm just keeping it, I'm keeping it up. Yeah. So for me, which is the sad thing, because we see that a lot. Yeah. That's a, that, you know, that's a, what well, they call it. Crabs in the barrel mentality. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. A crab in the barrel mentality. Exactly. You know, no matter what uh, you do. We had some on this show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh wow yeah. wow yeah. well they weren't on the show but you know they were they were talking about the show when we first started um it was mainly me that i, I got the most flack because like you wow. i don't give a fuck i'm gonna speak how i feel <laughs> and that's just i don't know that, no other way Hello? <laughs> i don't know no other way like i tell people talk your shit because can't nobody else talk your shit for you you know what i'm saying like you gotta be able like I, that when I tell people to come on the day and they come on the show, but like, so what's God, what's the questions? Are there any? No, there's no there's no written down questions. I want you to tell your story. I can't tell it for you. I can guide you, but even then, it's still it still feel fake if I guide you into a certain point. I wherever it goes, that's where it goes. That's how this show is. There's nothing written. So there were people who 
thought we weren't going to make it because I, I, they, I they didn't real. like they didn't like the aesthetic that we gave off. We uh, I we 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 nobody. My motto is no one safe unless you're in these squares. Anybody can get oh, it. We don't oh. we don't sugarcoat it for nobody. You know what I'm saying? We not you playing ain't, favorites. You ain't supposed <laughs> to because and that's exactly. the thing. Honestly, exactly. Have you noticed? If you heard anything about me more so outside of the music stuff. My social medias are known for that. Like my pages, because the thing is just that with me, um, and you said it earlier, what gave me the right to talk that type, and I've always said that, I might listen, I'm from Brooklyn. And you know anything about Brooklyn, um, mm -hmm. we back up pretty much what we do. You heard what Peter Gunn said in Uptown, baby, what he said. Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn, crazy loot. That's because when there's beef, they ain't scared to shoot. That's the realest shit I've ever said, because Brooklyn dudes, we, we would, our aesthetic from where we're from, not saying nothing against no other borough in New York City, because we I love all five bars, but of course I put on for my city. And the reason why, that's why if you notice what they always say, no matter where you go on the face of the earth, you're gonna find at least eight people from Brooklyn somewhere. I said, because yeah, the least. thing is that <laughs> we projected our reputation thanks to Biggie and Big Daddy Kane and Prince Marky D, God bless his soul. Like this people who exemplified our attitude and how we spoke on shit. So my raw, my raw Brooklyn venom. I know for a fact used to offend people like, oh, he's always talking that. I, people on find me like, he's always talking shit. Okay, bye. <laughs> so it's not for you. It's not for you. If it's look, if, if you don't like what I'm it's saying, it's for you. It's for you. Not for you. <laughs> see, see, I, I, we're we're from me and DC. Where I think I probably should have been born in Brooklyn, man. Yeah, I, no, like, like, we just have I got family in Brooklyn too, so yeah. going up so to the yeah, I feel yeah. at home. Look, look, yeah, we just talk, talk them motherfuckers don't sleep kind of three thing. in the morning. Motherfuckers still talking shit three in the morning. Yep, shit morning is alive, look, 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 man. It's, it's 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 the it's the only disease that I will ever welcome in this lifetime. No, I say that shit. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like because. When you're, I mean, not only just because I'm from Brooklyn, but also even with y'all guys, we're creatives and creatives, honestly, we do, especially I'm a Scorpio, so we do our best work. But yeah. and I mean, I, I mean our best work. We do our best work on all cylinders mm -hmm. at night when, when the world yes, is sleeping. We're up, up four in the morning, go, researching, go to listen to music. Sometimes I have to look. You know how I mean myself go to sleep sometimes? I work, like, I literally would do a 20-minute workout. Like, literally, I'm like, okay, I'm tired. I got to get to sleep. I work out, lay on the bed. I'm done. I'm, go I'm gone. So my thing is that it's really a thing where um, that's how I found my audience, to be honest with you. A lot of people that became my fans got into my posts first before they heard my music. Mm -hmm. So go figure on that level. Think about that for one second. I can, I can, I can attest. I can attest to that. that. That's how they this show. They like what they, they like. What I was talking. They they like the way I spoke. They like the fact that um, when I tell the stories, I tell them real. They like the fact that there were certain historic facts about some of our favorite artists who we all love that they didn't know. So for somebody that's like just today, just on mm -hmm. just on that, like it's almost like I gotta I gotta follow him. So thank God that the music and my stage reputation and my musicianship does have the rep that it has. Because honestly, I tell fans all the time, at the end of the day, it's all about the music. You want to know why? Because guess what? If, um, if how do I say this? Um, it doesn't matter. At, I thank y'all guys for, not you, I'm talking about, I thank, thank y'all guys for buying the music, loving the music, but guess what? At the end of the day, if the music wasn't good, if my stage show wasn't good, if my musicianship wasn't respected, and if I didn't have a platinum resume, nobody would give a fuck about what I have to say. Mm -mm. 
So when I do talk my shit, like I said, in Brooklyn, if you're going to talk your shit, you better be able to back it up. Back it up. Yeah, exactly. Most sound it, it's music. freeing. I've, I've always said yeah. it's freeing to talk shit. It like just most sound the music. Just speak, just, it speaks. It's it's the truth in you. You know, well, if you ain't if you don't lie to yourself, don't lie to yourself. Never lie to yourself, and speak what's in your mind in your heart. I was going to say that to DC too as well because um the the whole, even my moniker the most sound the kid in the music business I didn't come up with that my DJ came up with that because what happened was is that once Planet Twelve was being fully established in the social media world and we were starting to get a lot of recognition. I was like, okay, you know what? We're such fans of of James Brown and um and and um and Jackie Wilson and um oh, and Wilson Pickett and all the all the guys from that era that always had these tag names. So of course, um, um, Jackie Wilson was Mr. Excitement. James Brown had like about eight like eight different names. You know, we called Godfather. Yeah, so never so knew who James Brown has. Michael Jackson's King of Pop. So my DJ was like, um, your law. We need to come up. Let, let's take it back to the 60s where, where the gods had something that exemplified their moniker. I said, you know, T.I. is the king of the South. So you know what? Mm-hmm. Let's come up with something that would take the fans back to that point in time where your moniker represented who you were. So we went through a bunch of names and then he finally hit it. He said, Law, I got it. I'm like, what is it? The most talented kid in the music biz. I didn't like it at first. I'm like, really? I said, isn't that kind of all put? He said, Law. <laughs> he said, "Law." He said, he said "Law, look, look, look at me." He said, "Law, you're a real singer. That's a real MC. Mm-hmm. That really plays seven instruments. That can really dance, and you really produce and songwrite. It's and you feel overall. Who better than you to represent that?" So I looked at him. I'm like, "Okay, I'm done. You know now. I, I see, I, I'm not stupid. I knew coming into when we started using the moniker and going around with it." I already knew there was going to be flat. a whole bunch of who does this nigga think he is? <laughs> oh, oh, fuck him. Oh, and the crazy shit was that after a while, see, I'm going to show you what happens. See, when you turn, when you tune out the negative and you don't fall victim to be like, oh, should I down, should I downplay myself because of somebody's insecurity they don't like the way I do? Fuck no. Guess fuck what? Them. We're going to turn it up. We're going to do it even more. It's got annoying. Look, look, look. Let me show you how annoying the guy. Look, it got, got real annoying. So I'm like, you know what? We're making it count on the, on the merch, all that shit. And guess what? If you notice to this day, look at any one of my interviews or look at my comments on my pictures and people, people how they address me. Mm-hmm. So my thing is that, and, it's, and honestly, it's really a moniker because as y'all know, on stage, I am who I am. But off stage, I'm just a normal kid from Brooklyn living his dream. So I'm not, I'm not on that poop butt souped up shit. Like, I really, there's no ego involved. And on stage, when I'm doing my thing, it is. But, you know, because I have to do what I have to do musically. But, but the thing for me is just that. But when you can back it up, is it really shit talking? I mean, let's be honest. That's what exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, but, but no, bro. No, 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 no. Just know your shit. No, no, know your shit. But you got to remember, and my boy Jermaine Holmes, shout out to Jermaine Holmes of D'Angelo's Vanguard, Grammy Award winning Jermaine Holmes. Perfect example. That's my my dude. Jersey stand up. You already know. See, we because me and him talk about this all the time. See, Jermaine could talk his shit. He's he's humble as hell like I am. But when it comes time to talk his shit, he can talk it. Because guess what? Jermaine got two Grammys underneath his belt. He's one of the most world-renowned vocalists for one of the greatest Mm. artists of of, of our last, last generation of our time period. So my thing is just that that's not a small feat for anything so when we talk our shit on these platforms 
And when we're putting our inquiries out there, that's because it solidifies and it means something. Look, I'm not. Mm-hmm. You think I just? You think I got these guitars over here just because they, they look good in my fucking room? <laughs> nah. You know what I mean? Like this, this, is, this is thirty. This is thirty something plus years of blood, sweat, and tears. Where I can just pick up a guitar and just hit a blues chord and go. You know, I just like I don't. You can't. It's almost like again, if you're gonna talk that shit, back it up. And I'm and again, I'm from the town of Detroit for that. So nobody was gonna catch me out there on no cylinder. That's why I made sure. Oh yeah, you know, y'all y'all understand that a lot of the um I would it's a name for it. A lot of the other singer guys on the corporate gig when I first started doing the corporate gigs at like 16, 17, they hated me and my guys. You know why? Because the main thing was that, yeah, you know, the girls like what he's like, yeah, he can dance and all that, man. Let's see if the vocals is real. And then when I stand flat foot and grab a microphone and go, I'm gonna do all the things for you that the man wants me to do, oh baby. They're like, oh shit. Like his vocal. It's almost like that was the whole purpose because I want them to know, yes, my, my vocals are as real as my rhyme skills and my music. It's like you're not gonna ca- you're not gonna pigeonhole me into the guy that can dance and got a look but, can- but ain't got no real vocals. I can hang with mm-hmm. the best of them. So for me, that there were back then, not not so much now, but back then there was a point to prove back then. Because back then I would get these looks. It would get these like, oh, this here come this motherfucker. Because they, they already knew my reputation. They were just like, okay, we do that. But they were just mad because they probably wasn't getting the same type of, of love that I, that I was getting or, or that or that Jermaine would get. You know what I mean? Like they wasn't getting that kind of love that we get when we step on that microphone and do what we yeah, do. And Jermaine seen me at certain shows where I didn't even do a whole bunch of dance. It was like straight up us, us singing on the same stage together. And backing each other up and having fun with each, you know, having fun with each other because mm-hmm. we're real singers that support each other. We ain't about all that other bullshit that don't mean nothing. So for me, it was almost like we both came from that circle. And my boy Marcus Machado, I don't know if he's in here, but Marcus Machado, one of the baddest fucking guitar players on the face of this earth. When I had him on my show and he told me his story, he went through the same damn thing. I'm like, see, it's, it's a bunch of us that went through this sort of shit where. People will pull out the plug on you on stage. It's like I'm telling you, people, people mm. are something else, and it's almost like the insecurity levels were there. So to go back to um to the moniker and why I stuck with it, I'm so glad I do because people address me by it, and and it gives a certain reverence to my legacy. Because when I'm long gone, they're gonna remember all of this. They're gonna be able to. I want them to be able to say, "Based in the building." Oh yay. So I, I I enjoy the fact that you you know it's it's almost past it is it's passed down you were born in it it's in your blood and it's being passed on it went from your grandfather it went from your uncle and it's just you've been surrounded by it and the fact that you're passing to your daughter and this is a fucking amazing thing to see and it feel it's a feel good it really does it feels good to hear and see that you have such a talent that Thank has you, been so. Thank- ingrained by just the greats and to know that your name is being mentioned in the greats it's got to do something to the heart with like you said we mentioned amy wirehouse we mentioned michael jackson we mentioned prince Mm -hmm. and you know and just those three alone should be enough to to blow the mic i'll wake wake up in the morning here's the thing man um respectfully speaking i'll wake up every morning the same way i did when i was a kid just waking up is a blessing in, in this business. Just mm-hmm. life. Forget fuck the yeah. business. Just life. Just life, period. Right, Being able right, to wake right. up and breathe. And then, but you know what's the important part when I wake up after I wake up? 
I don't work for nobody but me. God damn that's it. The best, yeah. That's the best. That nigga's I can sleep as long as I want. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do. People know that. Yo, they be like, they, 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 the fans be having me on schedule. They're like, yo, he ain't posting like three days. I'm like, mother, I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> so <laughs> the whole thing is that on everything um, for me is that I wake up every morning with purpose. There's always something to do. If you, if you saw the opposite of this damn laptop right now, you'll understand why. <laughs> a lot I of believe stuff. you. I don't know why, I can but I do. It's all kind of shit. And the thing is just that that's because at this stage and age of the game, I'm still that same 18-year-old kid that's committed with the same energy on top of that. So for me, it's like I live to do what I do. Some people play the list. Some people live to play it. I do both. And um, That's a testament that, to your legacy, though. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you so the, word, the word is longevity. Yes. And that's um, the thing. At the, end of the, at the ending of the day, that's what matters. I remember you said hottest earlier, but see, here's the thing about being hot. What's eventually hot cools off. Mm-hmm. But see, if you forever ingrained in the fabric of musical heritage, and you can still walk the streets of your hood even though you don't live there no more. Oh yeah. To me, yeah, yeah. And you got Lionel Richie shouting you out in interviews and Sinbad shouting you out in interviews. I got. Oh God damn! I forgot you was on stage with Sinbad. I wanted to talk about that because I seen this picture. I don't know. Can Sinbad play instruments? Yes, he can. Oh yeah, I, because I see. Because look, I seen the picture and I'm like, Sinbad is playing the guitar. Oh yeah, and not I only, want not to find Sinbad, a video. Not, not, not only Sinbad, but the late great Charlie Murphy played drums as well. Charlie Murphy. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Of darkness. Sinbad. If, if Sinbad <laughs> didn't pursue comedy and movies the way that he did, Sinbad would have definitely. That's why we noticed his whole throughout his whole career. First of all, he helped revive the funk bands. He brought the funk he bands. Did. Back. He really did. He did. Yeah. He did. With the HBO Summer Jam stuff that he was doing back then. And on top of all that, on his comedy run, because we were his East Coast band. Me, shout out to my band, Planet Soul Movement, my drummer Sky, um, Errol, Neil, Cecil, all my guys that we played behind Sinbad for the last five years up until um, you know, his recent health issues. Get well. We love you, Sinbad. We love you so much. Definitely um, love Sinbad. The thing with Sinbad is that he's always been about the musicianship. So when he incorporated that in his stand-up, when he started doing the stand-up thing again, um, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, he, he called me, he's like, hello, man, there's this thing he was doing. I don't know. I knew, I know what chord it is, but what kind of chord is that? So he's asking me, like, all the other technical stuff. And I said, Sinbad, I said, just so you know, there's only a few semi-technical stuff I, I know about guitar chord. I said, because you know why? Because I play from such an ear perspective with a little bit of theory. I know a little bit of theory, but the thing is just that for me, when you've been doing it as long as I have, and you've been able to play behind some of the best in the world, some shit is not that required. Have, I know, I know some guys who can read the whole music sheet back and forth. If you put a whole bunch of dots in front of me, I, only thing I'm gonna see is A, D minor, um, D major over the seven, and I, and I don't know what the hell these other lines are. I don't know what the fuck that is because I'm already listening to the music as opposed to adding on to what I already know in my mind. And being a singer first does kind of help, but um. But yeah, it's just it's really that important for me, man. Like so, for me, that that all kind of makes sense in in the way of, of having longevity because you're gonna want that. Let me give you a quick story, real quick. Um, hey, Charlie, you Ack- take your time. Take your great, time, Pastor. The great, <laughs> yeah, Pastor. The, the great Charlie. Ack- <laughs> I, I love this guy. Um, you know that's the guy that does choreography for the Temptations, Last Night in the Pips. He did choreography for the OJ's too. Now he told the OJ's this. Eddie Levert told me the story when I met him. He said that. 
the thing that child used to always ride us on was getting these moves together. He's like, y'all ain't selling no tickets. And he said, I'm telling y'all, y'all better come. Walter's late again to rehearsal today? No, no. He better come in. I'm Listen, guys, I love y'all, guys, but I'm telling y'all, if y'all don't get this choreography down, y'all y'all going to be like the Four Tops. And um, A. LeVert was like, um, what do you mean? The Four Tops are one. Say, yeah, they got number one hits, but you forgot one thing. He's like, what? They still doing the same fucking dance because they never came to dance rehearsal. I'm like, ooh. No, that don't move. Four Tops do this. <laughs> <laughs> he never had choreography. The four tops never had choreography. All he had was this. The Temptations and those guys had steps. Yeah. All four tops did was this. Sugar pie, honey, mother. and I it, love you. And, and the thing is that um, <laughs> <laughs> Sally Atkins told OJ's, "Y'all not gonna." He said, "Y'all may have longevity, but the longevity is in your stage show." So that's another mm -hmm. reason why. When you see me doing splits, I've been doing that since I was eight. So for me, even after I had the um the the, the accident from two years ago, people were just like, "Oh my God!" I said, "Yeah, I remember that's my first accident ever in life." So I'm in good standing. I never hurt myself on stage because I knew how to take care of myself when I left the stage. I wasn't wilding out. And of course, you know, I did what every what, what every male artist would do on the road. That's not mentioned. So it's almost like a thing as to where, but I also knew when to take my ass home because my grandfather always says, "Yeah, it's okay to party." But you can't stay at the party forever. Sometimes you got to know when to bring your ass home. And that stuck with me. God bless your soul. That stuck with me forever. So I knew that. Okay, you know what, Law? You can hang out for about an hour. You know, go to after party, chill. You know, take some pictures, whatever. Get a couple of, you know, I drink champagne. Get a couple of drinks. And guess what? Take your ass back to your hotel room. Get some rest. You know? Get your mind right. Because you got to get up in the morning anyway. See, a lot of other guys that didn't do what I do, they can do all that shit all day. But I knew that if I was going to still be doing this shit anywhere, and, I, and I'm not even that close to 50 yet. So my thing is that having the ability to, to the physical ability to do what I do, it comes from mm -hmm. taking care of yourself and putting yourself first a lot of times. My kids are grown now. I got grandbabies. Um, you know, and I've worked myself first anyway in terms of that, but my kids came before me. So thing for me was that once they, I raised them, and I'm still daddy, so it doesn't matter. Like, I'm still, you know, my daughter just texted me the other day. Hey, dad, you got something. My daughter's 22 years old. Still. So it's almost like even as grown as they get, you're still dad. So for me, mm -hmm. you know, my, and, my, and my kids are amazing. So I don't mind. I don't mind at all. My kids are amazing. They, um, raising them was the best thing I've ever done. And, and being a father is probably my, my greatest role ever because I got to really mold my kids and then let them find their own way after I gave them as much knowledge as I could. So um, taking care of myself is priceless. You know, any, anybody should do that. Like sometimes get your feet up. Go away. That's why for my birthday, this vacation, when I did it, I said, you know what? We have five shows in a row. I got to get out of New York for a while. I went to California. LA is my second hometown. I went to Vegas, hung out with Lionel Richie, came back home and did the show. So, yeah. Man. Yes. I ain't even going to lie. I always, and I, this is so cliche because I always say this, and I know people who watch this going to be like, this nigga always fucking say this. But I can't help it. This has been a dope-ass interview, and it's one of my favorites. But everyone is my fucking favorite, man, because I, I I get excited because I'm one of them people. I like to, like I said, I like to hear the stories. Mm -hmm. I like, because you, like I said, you see this shit growing up as a kid. Yeah. And if you're well-versed in what goes on, but you don't get to hear the whole story. Like mm -hmm. I said, you might hear 95% of it, but 85 is fake. I get a kick off of hearing the real story or just hearing people's story, period, because 
to me, it's dope, man. Um, getting to talk to dope ass people and just share the story, share the stage, Extremely. man. Hear the you know, longevity, having the, hear the just, legacy, just hear the name. That. I like the name. I'm not even gonna lie. I like yeah. the name drops. I'm one of the people. I like the name drops. When I hear a good name drop, I gotta go back. I gotta go back. Like pause. You can't speak bad. Thing, like you ain't just say that. I got so accused over the years for, and it's crazy because it's almost just like, yeah. But um, have you looked at what I've done? I said so. My thing is that I'm more comfortable to drop a name more than anybody else. I said because. If you go to any one of the people I mentioned, if you if you rolled up on Lionel Richie right now and told him that you knew me, watch his reaction. I'll just leave that there. So I so fuck so, those people, man. No, hold on, man. No, man, fuck those people. I want to <laughs> kick their ass. Because here's my thing, man. Here's my thing. Here's where I have a problem. People are like, oh, you can't name drop. Fuck that shit. If I know them motherfuckers, I'm throwing hey. that name out every goddamn day. I could be at the dry cleaner getting my drawers pressed. And I'm like, hey, man. You know I know Lionel Richie, right? Oh, we'll get your boxers. Fuck they, that shit, man. You because time, that is a there, yes. there are times. This is what I've always said, as as, as y'all know, because me we, we've spoken, so you know this. And even and even shout out to Katrina, kick up your heels at the same. But we love y'all. Oh thank yeah, we definitely. I, um, listen, Katrina, thank you. Here's the thing, yeah. and Katrina will tell you because she she's known me for for some years now. We were close, as you know. And um, there are times I'm one of the most humble cats you'll ever meet. There are times to be humble, but because mm -hmm. this is the music industry and most people won't give a fuck, there are times where you're going to have to speak. And I refuse uh, to be in any position where I'm going to have to downplay the confidence of what I bring to the table just because somebody doesn't have the same attitude that I have to feel better about themselves. If anything, you should be taking notes on how to apply it for your damn self so you can start making Indeed. moves. Indeed. That's any, why I say that my, because... My, my, I don't, and I don't treat people like dirt. It'd be, it'd be different if I treat people like shit and people ain't like me and be like, oh, he's an asshole. Nope, you'll never hear nobody say, unless they just hating on me. And I said, well, it depends on who it's coming mm -hmm. from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if, if I'm an Probably. asshole to you, that means you did something. I'm going to be blunt about it. So that means you must either piss me off or you did some real glimy stuff. Or they, or they could just take it the wrong way because if, here's the thing that we always say. Everybody, and please nobody take this term, and I mean this towards black people too. Well, it's it's, I, it's just a term that I, it's a term I use, but I don't like playing, downplaying the people's uh, sensibilities. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll, I'll mute myself for that because... I know exactly I, what you mean, bro. I know exactly. Because... People get butthurt over you oh, being no, you. Oh, yeah. Again, man, like I said, this show, how it started, how I am, and we used to do this on a Sunday, so I was cussing on a Sunday. People was like, oh, you can't cuss <laughs> on a Sunday. Uh, uh. God knows me. He know what vocabulary he gave me when he made me. He knows my heart. I don't my mean it because... I curse on Sundays. What's, what's your point? Exactly. You, know, you mean you, because people are like, oh, it's, it's sacred. Nothing sacred in life but life. I've liked to live like I live. God knows me. He knows my heart. He knows that's that ain't right. none of this malicious. Right. I just have no feelings. Yeah. We're not out here Church hurting nobody yeah. else. Church, Church is, is in my heart. I just speak my... There's no Church filter. I have no fucking filter. And I'm Church sorry. I apologize. <laughs> but no, don't that's why apologize. I say like... I don't I, look, I, I look at it like this. I look at... I, didn't I don't apologize. Fuck apologizing. For, yeah, I don't apologize because you're hurt. I'm sorry you hurt it. But I'm not I sorry. <laughs> Look, I can't listen. I, I never see the thing. It's like, again, if I was a malicious motherfucker, then I could understand that viewpoint from somebody. But the thing for me is just that you don't know somebody's story 
unless you mm-hmm. sit down and kick it with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love doing this. Why man. I am the way I am. Why do I? Why does Law say the things that he say? Exactly. Do you, have a few do, do you even have a couple of hours? Because I can, I can talk for that long. <laughs> you know, my thing is just that you you know, there's the journey in itself, especially for where I've been in the last twenty five years. There's there's a gift even in the journey that I've been on because it just keeps getting better and better every day. Every day something new happens. Every day I learn something new about my voice. Every day I learn something new about my fans, what people expect from me, what people gravitate towards to, how people are rooting for me, how people are just now learning other stuff about me that they didn't really know before. Even with all this stuff, stuff that I posted in social media, YouTube, whatever you, whatever you can name. And... It's constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly growing, even though I remain the same in certain aspects, but my growth is every day. And you're not growing unless you're learning more. And I learn something new every day. The day that you think that yeah. you know it all, yeah. I always tell people, if you're in a room, if you're in a room and you're the smartest person in there, you should get out right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, man. Yeah. Hey, I'm that's... the motherfucker in this room, I'm leaving. I'm out. I said, you know exactly. why? Because I need to build with some people that even if I know a little bit more than they do, they can teach me something too. There's something I can exactly. learn from how they're doing things. You're always so, and, you, and, and ego can't be involved. So I can't. That's why I'll be like, look, but I can't. Anybody that's ever called me arrogant, go fuck yourself because you really don't know me. I said because to be unrespectfully, unapologetically, the man said, go fuck yourself. Yeah, it's just like you can't be. You can't. You With know, all due disrespect. Arrogant, <laughs> exactly. Arrogant people can't learn. Exactly. They can, I mean, they man. can but yeah, the thing is that. Some people it's a, it's a slow drip. Own ignorance. It's, it, it, so a lot of times, what happens is that they won't grow, and then you wonder why nothing doesn't happen for them. And, I, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm gonna keep it real without saying any names. A lot of my friends who I started with in this business, we're not friends anymore. And the thing for me uh, is that, um, and I'm, I'm not gonna get into the story. That's gonna take too much too much time. But the thing is just that the, I'm gonna give you a short version. The whole point is that when I realized that I had really outgrown, and, and I didn't leave. The thing is that I didn't say. Oh, I'm not fuck with y'all no more. What happened was that situations presented themselves to where it showed me what the present and the present future. Does it, you know what I'm saying? Present and present future. Mm-hmm. It showed me. I picked what, up what you're putting what, down. What, what it was. I, 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 I was making sure I didn't get too deep over to you. No, 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 no. The whole thing is that. We got that. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm, that's why I love y'all guys. Y'all, y'all get it. The thing is just that. I knew that the future of that whole situation wasn't going to change when I realized that there were certain shows that they couldn't do because they weren't doing their homework. They weren't growing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't growing at the pace where I was growing at. And it showed. It wasn't so much about we ain't doing this shit and we come on stage and kick ass. It was like, we ain't really studying that much. You get up on stage and then you forgetting words to songs. <laughs> You're forgetting. Yeah. And I'm just like, look, no, no, that's messed up the money because the thing is that mm-hmm. people, the people that hire us and the agencies they see all this stuff. So how am I going to look at the first? They're going to blame them, but guess who they guess who they going to go back around to? Yeah, I'm the boy. The marquee, so like, <laughs> I can't chance that. When I had to make changes, some people got they got mad at me, and we haven't spoken but, in years. The thing is, except for me, it was stupid because I never stopped speaking. But if the, if you're that caught up in your feelings because of something that I told you that was the automatic truth with the evidence to back it up, it's like it's a lost cause. But that was God's way of showing me. Let them go. What I have for you, because where I'm taking you, everybody can't go with you. Here's how I look at that. Age Here's old, how I look at that. Age old Thomas. That's more of a them problem than a you problem. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because if they wasn't on their shit, then as they, I mean, I can't, again, 
I can't lead you to water and make you drink. I can't, you know what I mean? There was, uh, no names please, there was a guy who did on this show who, you know, didn't want to, he wanted to do things his way. I didn't pull rank, but like, hey, it's my show. But I'm like, dog, we're not doing that. We're not doing, I'm not changing, we're not changing the swag. If anything, we'll evolve the swag, but the swag won't change. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't. He got afraid because again, you you don't want to say this. You can't say that. He got. Ooh, what you gonna do about it if I say it? The guy ain't. Nobody's free. Nobody's safe. Like if it's out there, it's out there. I don't do it disrespectfully. Nothing I say is out of disrespect. It's just I call it how I see it. You gotta be able to take. You gotta be able to take it. You know what I mean? Because everybody can't see. Here's the thing. Like, like you all laugh. I used to use an analogy. Sometimes. Everybody can't be James Brown. Sometimes you got to be Bobby Bird. Sometimes you got to be the nigga holding the guitar. Everybody can't be Michael stage. Jackson. Somebody has to be Tito or Marlon, who I love. I love both of those guys. Um, everybody can't be Prince. Sometimes you have to be Andre Simone or Des Dickerson mm. or, or yes. Wendy and Lisa. Yes. You know what the situation is. Yes. I'm, I'm saying that respectfully. I'm saying that because you got to remember, all those guys who I just mentioned are all great and leaders in their own right. But when it came to the pushing of the agenda of what they were doing musically, everybody had to prospectively play their role. So my thing is that if this is your show and you have people already in line with what their roles are, how we're putting it together, what the fuck are we arguing about? No, this is what it is. My thing is just that you got to respect that. It's like when I was in certain, look, when I played in my grandfather's band, God bless his soul. I'm I'm the, I'm the number, I'm the second oldest grandkid of, of, of 20, 28 now that count. (laughs) 28, I'm, I'm, I'm the second oldest. My brother's the first. In his band, as much as my grandfather loved the fact that I was a forward thinker, he would always say to me, no, I know you do. I know you do all that hippity hop stuff. You know, I love it. Thank God for it. Because, you know, that what's that God? XMD, DMX, whatever his name is. Because, you know, you got to remember, DMX um, sampled my grandfather, and that's how he was able to get his royalties back before he passed away. And mm. the thing is that, thank God for DMX. And DMX, when he said that, he respected, he said, but when you know when you sing with me, and he, he's like, he said, give, give a hand for my grandson, LAW. He said, you know, outside this stuff, you know, he does his R&B, funk, and hip-hop. And I always told him, don't forget where you get this shit from. The blues and jazz and gospel will always be present. And that was his main thing with me. He said, I don't care what you do. Just don't forget about me and don't forget about the roots of where you came from. He said, in mm-hmm. other words, find a way to incorporate that. That's why when you hear certain songs that I do, when you hear me playing blues riffs or you hear me doing a, a gospel run, because I come from that. I grew up in, I proudly grew up in church, but I have one for, I'm from St. Mark's Avenue. I grew up in the streets. So you got to remember, it's, I'm part yeah. sanctified. <laughs> part sinning. I, I will beat the shit out of you. Like it's my, my, my whole, my whole mentality is almost like, you will get these. And like, like dudes are telling you, like, you gotta somebody, catch these on hands, man. No, somebody on my page, one time I put up a post, um, one of my friends, Muz, who I grew up with on St. Mark's, he was just like, he put it on um, hashtag, Lord God. I said, see, Muz? I said, they know. I said, I don't even say that. They laughed at me. He was like, listen, y'all. He came on my live one time. He said, listen, y'all. Do not let that smile or those dance moves fool y'all. Don't let this oh, move taste fool you. Because he know. Because I, I seen him do it, too. That's why I'm just like, listen, look. We have that establishment, but it's still a respecting at the end of the day. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm a savage when it comes to my goals. But I'm not an overall Tyler Savage by no means. I'm just big on respect. So when you have a conglomerate of your business and people are coming to work with you or for you, it's a respect thing. So in my grandfather's band, I didn't dare say to him, 
Well, I want to do what I want to do. My grandfather kicked my ass. I'm like, I'm here. I'm just, I'm happy to be standing next to the legend. My grandfather's a blues legend. I'm like, I'm on stage. I'm going to, we go into restaurants. Hey, Sam. Like they, they would run up on my grandfather asking for autographs. So think about that for one second and ask yourself, if I played with George Clinton, I told George Clinton, I want to play this kind of thing. I'm not telling, I'm, those are my, those are my mentors. Those are my bosses. So my thing is that when I play with P-Funk, I got my guitar in hand and my mouth is shut. What are we playing? Oh, okay. That's, that's how, that's how we yeah. do. Okay. To be a great leader, you have to be an even better team player. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. Yeah, you're right. Period. You're right. Yo, I okay. I know. I said it again. I'm gonna say it again. This <laughs> fucking. It's been a dope. It's fire in there for real. This is I mean, like, this whole. I love. I love hearing stories like this. I love this. I love hearing because you don't get to hear this. You don't. You really I appreciate don't that because we haven't wrote shit down. I never write down interview questions. I swear to God, people be like, I love that. I you all cuss like me. That's how I do my right, show yeah. too. Straight I'm up, don't because you have to. Because I, like I said, I don't want to lead the conversation somewhere and then it get. Yeah, it I gets, just it got to flow, it, it man. Gets, because it's not. It's, it's inorganic. It but I do have one question I wrote down on my hand. Um, oh. So what's <laughs> so what's next for you, man? We talked about a lot. We talked about the history. We talked about. But what's next for you? Um, more abundance, <laughs> more grace, more favor. In these times that we're living in of, of of uncertainty, be it medicine or mental, don't let that go over your head. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I got it. This time I'll of uncertainty. <laughs> but this time of uncertainty, I just pray for more prosperity. I pray that every day I be a better version of myself, making sure that my mom is okay. Me, me and my brother, because my brother got music coming out as well. Casino Chip, you should probably get him on your show too. And hey, we, man, um, you know, the hey, thing is, we open. we are always open. I don't care when or how; these doors will always be open for any and everybody who wants to come on. Because I'm not turning down nobody. Because no, I appreciate again. that. But, um, I, I see a lot of more abundance, of course, as you know. And this is a shameless plug because I put up earlier. We all like shameless plugs. Plug right. away. The Planet right. Club merch is still going strong. We still got t-shirts left at Sally's Closet at gmail.com. Just make sure you type in Evie and ask for Evie. We got the t-shirts. We got the new Scully's getting ready to come out. As you can see, you know, we got the new stuff. So that's going to be going into, we launch, we relaunching the hoodies for the hoodie season now. We relaunching in the you send me that info and I will share the shit out Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Um, so no problem shameless plugging anything. And I got four albums getting ready to come out. Not at the same time. <laughs> I got four oh, albums. Hey, God like, damn. Man, let I'm us know. We uh, <laughs> we got over. time. <laughs> That's called over oversaturation. I ain't doing that. Yeah. Here's the thing. So um, the next album that's coming out, um, my political, my, this is going to be my only political social. It's my, it's my fourth album. It's called Humanity One on One Pandemic Paradox Paradise. This is express all my political views. It's going to be oh, the only shit, album like that. So it's basically my version of Marvin Gaye, what's going on, but it's more in candid, speaking my truth and everything. You know, I got songs like um, Politicians Are Not God. I got songs like um, American's Inception, um, Please Don't Shoot. That's some of the working titles I got already. So we have that or whatever. And when is this coming out? Yes. Um, this is coming out. Here's a funny thing the fans that tune in right now on all over social media, um, we're, it's looking like it was going to come out in November, but I decided to. I'm going to release it in February for Black History Month. I think it's more important. Woo. Exclusive! So, um, so, 
yeah. Four copies. Let's four copies, yeah. everybody. Thank you. I appreciate that. I got my all hip hop album coming out in January. I haven't figured out the title. We haven't thought of the title yet, but this is going to be my all hip hop record because, as everybody knows, my first three albums are a smorgasbord of all of my musical styles. Like, I, like I said, try to put me in a box and I'll break that shit. Like, I do all kinds of music. So, um, most of my records, of course, the funk is always prevalent without question. More than anything else, the funk, the hip hop, the rock and roll, the R and B, soul, traditional, contemporary, um, a little bit of classical, a little bit of jazz every now and then. So, um, but this out, this all hip hop album that I'm doing is just strictly bars. And beats, period. Like I just wanted to make an album where just focus strictly on the hip hop part of it. And then for the summer of 2022, my fans know about this. The long awaited, they've waited six years for this project. So it's, it's kind of like Dre's detox at this point. Computer films. This is my double album called Psychotic Chameleon, which is basically pretty much mm-hmm. like the first two albums, but now we're exploring some other musical styles that you probably haven't seen me do that I, that I do flawless like I do all the other ones. So the fans have been like waiting on that. So we're planning a real a real big event for that. And then I'm producing so many other products. I got I got a single out right now with my, with my Latin artist um Tina Torres called Celebrate, which is doing real well. We're about ten thousand streams right now on Spotify, which yes. is Damn. excellent. You know why? Because we own, you know why? Thank you. Because we own it. We own it. It's ours. <laughs> Know what I mean? I did the production. She wrote the lyrics. We own it. So that's a beautiful thing. Then we got my country pop artist, Arizona Lindsay, who has a song with um, my idol DMC from Run DMC that I co-produced and co-wrote. Her name is Arizona Lindsay. The song is called Work the Fight. So that's doing real well for us, too. I think we're about 7,000, 8,000 streams right now on on Spotify as well. And people are really getting into what we're doing. So in between all my own projects, I'm doing movies and, of course, um, show-wise, I'm booked all the way till 2023. I have nothing but if, if, if nothing else in this Ooh, world that I have, this brother is releasing albums like he he like he's embodied Prince. Well, Again, you know, I like, said the man got longevity, my friend. Well, when oh, you, <laughs> what, 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 you said, what you said earlier, when you control that, if I was on a major record label, they would he be like, do no, that. But, but you can do that when nobody owns you. Right. When you own so, your shit, you can do what the fuck you want. My so in other words, kids, own fans, your shit. My fans are appreciative when I put anything out. So, and the thing is, that they never sit there and be like, they know even when I'm taking long, even when I even when I push back the date like four or five times with certain shit, they know. They never bother me. They'd be like, we know it's coming. You know, we know how you do. You know, you know, you still living life. And I said, you already know. I said. People know the behind the scenes stuff that goes on when we have to prepare for um the campaigns, the promote and the shows and all that stuff is still work. That's why my slogan is support or shut up, because anytime that they buy, anytime that you buy a record or you stream the music or you support or you come to the show and buy the merch, it's going to me because all of that is going right back into the stuff that's going to keep feeding my feeding my fans, my fans. You y'all want to hear this type of record? This is what has to happen. So the relationship I have with my fans are everything. That's why I tell them all the time. Support. I'm sick of that um, slogan. Bring the real music back. No, motherfucker. The real music never left. It's been here. Mm. We just got to support the people who are doing it. Not just the legends Indeed. either, but also the new people like the Summer Walkers and the people who are making quality music. Like um, like like um, while while they got a new joint out now that's that's dope as hell. Like yeah. see people who see what I mean. Like people who are making making tangible music. We support it. 
Stay off your computer. Don't, don't be on your computer all day talking about, oh, this shit is crap. See, when I say this music is crap with certain shit, I can say it. You know why? Because as you can see, I'm doing my fucking part. I'm out here with my brand making moves. So when I talk my shit about what I feel about the current wave of the industry, I'm allowed to talk all that shit for however long as I want to because I'm Indeed. doing something about it. My talk matches my actions. It ain't just me like, ah, fuck this. Oh, this new school shit is corny. All these, these guys are the, I, I, even if I said that shit, somebody be like, well, what do you got? I'll tell you what I got. <laughs> Play that shit. Put that shit up against that. And it never fell. I've never been booed off stage in my life. So run with that theory. Run with that. So my thing is that I know what I'm doing when, when I'm stepping into the realm of any situation. I got a song, another song that's out right now that I'm featuring on. Um, my nephew, my incredible nephew, Young Sino, has a record out called Be Great. And guess who he features his uncle on? I do the second verse. And when he played that for some of his friends, they was like, yo, that's your uncle spitting like that? Yo, he's not that, that, that. And I'm like, and then he's like, he's like, they were so pretty. I said, that's because what I told you before, nephew. A real MC mm-hmm. can rip any beat. I don't give a fuck mm-hmm. if it's trap, crap, or sap. It doesn't yes. matter. Mm-hmm. Give me a fucking beat. I'm a body that shit. 16 bars or more, or even I could do I could do that shit in 10 bars and make it equal, just to, to make it even. So my thing is just that my nephew is one of my biggest fans, like I am of his. So when he said, yo, yo, oh, I got this joint, I want you to get on with me. It was a no-brainer. So my thing is just that yeah. it felt good to get that response from not only um, people of his age caliber, but also because people was just like, damn, like, Lord, you can actually rhyme. You can rhyme most. I said, well, I know that. I said, but here's the thing. I'm just showing and proving to them that age and new generation ain't got nothing to do with it. I said, it's more so about if you're accessible. Now, for me, that's not my personal taste of choice. Some of those guys I actually do like, and there's a lot of them I'm just, I think that they're garbage. But there's some of the guys I actually do like. I'm like, I said, no, no, dude is kind of nice. Like, I like him. But my thing is that having these records out of this promotion, Arizona Lindsay, Young Sino, Tina Torres, um, me and my brother about to do a joint album, me, Casino Chip, like that. The thing is that it's showing you that it can be done. There is no such thing. The technology and the information that we have today there is no excuse for anybody as a creative, whether it be media, podcast, music, fashion. We have the power to do mm-hmm. it ourselves. Now, it was it, now will it be an overnight success? No. Hell and guess what? No. If, it, if, 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 <laughs> if it is, I'm, I'm making a point. If it is, if it does, you know, sometimes it happens. If, if it is an overnight success, do you have the mental and spiritual capacity? to maintain when people are not feeling your shit or when you got people that just don't like you and then they don't even fucking know you do you have that see i have that you got it you got it too chris we have that that's because we don't we can i can see us right now in vip we'd be in the same room with a bunch of fake ass we we'd be sitting there laughing (laughs) having our own joke like having our own no no i say that because me and jermaine is like that me jermaine like we we would be sitting there having our own fucking jokes the whole fucking time because we all love and respect each other and we want to see each other win. We support each other. Jermaine Holmes, as a matter of fact, you should, if you get a chance, I don't know if he's still in here with me, but you need to bring him on the show as well, man, because he got now hey, Jermaine. Jermaine Holmes, man. Two Grammy Award winning from D'Angelo's Vanguard album, Black Messiah. That's the man mm. right there. He, he, could, he could tell you some stuff too. So my thing is just that we push each other. When he put his record out, I posted his album on my page. When Marcus put his record out, I posted his album on my page. 
See, all these other guys, they won't do that. Everybody's so fearful about, oh, he might get more likes. He might get more shine than me. Man, that's mm. insecurity, bro. You're going to lose right, that. Right. I'm like, you're not even supporting each other or supporting brands. Like, I came out with my podcast. Now, watch this. My podcast in comparison to y'all guys and other but now because mine is pretty much straightforward in terms of being on IG. And I'm talking to all my heroes who I know, per- who mo- most of them I know personally. So my thing is that I look at all the other podcasts I've been on, and I told them, they're like, yo, Lord, thanks for that shout-out, man. You lumped all of us in that. So you know why I lumped all y'all guys together, even though y'all all don't, may not know each other? Because this is the wave of the present and the present future. Mm-hmm. There's no competition. What the fuck are y'all competing for? First of all, we're all working towards a common goal. If he couldn't get you on your show, if somebody want Evelyn Champagne, Champagne King to come on your show and you got her management number, give it to him. What's the harm? If what he wants to say, I want to have her on my show. Ask any of the people I've been on podcasts that have found out who I knew. And it was like, yo, Lord, is there any possible way I can get, um, 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 I think it was probably CeCe Pennis. I said, sure. First of all, I'll, I'll hit her up first and I'll hit up her management and see if she wants to do the show. And the thing is that it's no harm. Each one teach one, share the information. Don't be fucking stingy with it. That's why I love when Damon Dash be talking. It's the truth. Share the fucking information. What do I, I have? No, I have nothing to lose and I have nothing to gain. What the fuck? That's it's it. like, you know, I hate it. I just hate the same. We've always said it. We've always said yeah, this. Man. So I have to get that off of that. But that's what's next for me in a nutshell. I got so many great things happening. God is blessing me every day. I'm, I'm getting better and better at my craft and what I do. Even after 25 years of being in this busy business, there's still so much to learn. And guess what? God ain't done with me yet. As you can obviously see, there's so much stuff that's happening right now. Some stuff I can't even talk about right now because it's in motion. And um, I just, I, 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 I work while I wait, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. But funny, funny you should say, you say that. that. Um, you no, can't you talk can't about talk it now, but the door's always open when you want to come back and talk about it. Well, thank Jump you. Jump alive. <laughs> Again, these doors are always open, man. It's always, I, because I, and it's funny you should say that about the whole sharing the thing, because I've had podcasters come on my show and I was like, well, technically we're not supposed to be on a show together because you're starting a podcast. I have a podcast. We're technically supposed to be. But fuck that shit because I have no problem sharing. You look at my Instagram, I share a lot of people's shit, stories, yeah. posts, everything because I don't care about none of this shit. I don't give a fuck about likes. Uh, like I said, today I'm not gonna lie. When I seen all those, I was like, God damn, that's a lot of fucking people who see this shit. <laughs> but that's just because I'm a humble dude from Akron, man, and I don't get to see that shit a lot. But I say that to say this. I don't give a fuck whether it's five people watching the show or five million. You still gonna get the same goddamn show. Same energy, the same craziness, the same shit talking, the same everything. And I tell people that I say that shit every time. And I hope the people who come back and see it, they be like, yeah, that nigga said that shit. Because it's the real, it's being real. I don't know no other way to do the show. Coming from you, I'll take that. I I believe him. I believe you because if you said it, it's the truth. It's the truth, right. Hand to mouth. I appreciate Uh, (laughs) Because I'll never, I tell people all the time, I'll never change this. I said, Picture me changing it. The only thing that changes, of course, as it should, is your bank account, as it should. Because the thing is that you accumulate and do what you do. But being me is what got me to shows like this. Being Mm -hmm. me is why Lionel Richie grabbed my phone and put his personal information and told me to stay in contact with him when we met for the second time seven years ago. So my thing is that... You know, it's just really, you know, for me, again, man, it's humbling, but at the same time, it's a lot to be proud of. And that's why I say to myself, why in the fuck would I ever change? 
My name is Lawrence Taylor Burrell Jr., a.k.a. LAW, from St. Mark's Avenue, 959, Albany Projects, Crown, Crown Heights to the death of me. So for me, it's like I can never, ever change who I am. Being me is what the fuck got me here. I mm -hmm. tell girls all the time, like any girl who I was seeing at that particular moment and things like that, if being me is what brought me here to you, that's why I'd be laughing when I'd be like, I was like, oh, we, I, we love this accent. I start blushing like crazy. I'm like, wow. I'm like, that's interesting because, you know, where we from, we know for our accents and stuff like that. So when I hear that shit being said to me, it's almost almost like, and to think 20 years ago, you know, we were literally made fun of on, on certain um, sitcoms and shit because it's like, yeah, you from Brooklyn, you from Brooklyn. Like they always make the, the thing. character turn. But when you get, but I'm gonna be real. When when you get a a, a a woman of any caliber that likes that part of who you are in terms of that, and if that's what's making them get into more of what you do have to say, I say so be it. So picture me being something different other than what I am. I just use that as an example to give you a, to to give you an example on why it's important mm. to be yourself because you just never know who's watching you. You never know who's listening, and even if you had six people on your live right now. One of those six people, maybe even two of those six people, they're listening to you everywhere and they're probably taking notes and taking stocks. That person could be the next Warren Buffett. That person could be the next um the, the, the next Jodeci, the next and the next anything, the, the next um what's this girl's name? Um can't think of name. Olympic um Simone um Bla Blies. Oh Biles, yeah. Yeah, Biles, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I always get uh, pronouncing her name, but um, but yeah, it, you never know who you're inspiring. So that's always been my take on it. Even at 16, I was like that. I always just said, you know what? You never know who's listening. So guess what? Your first impression can be your last impression. So Maybe. make it your best impression when you speak. Yes. Just be yourself. So thank you for that. I appreciate that so much. Not a problem. Well, oh, man. This has been <laughs> fucking banana sandwich. It's oh. <laughs> a thing now. It is. I've gotten so many. I've got so many daggone phrases today. It's crazy. That is that is crazy. I, I, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but it's about time that we do this thing we call parting shots. Let me get this up here. So parting shots is that last call, that last word, man. Anything you want to get out, Instagram, social media, tell people where they can find you. Anything you want to say. Uh, this is that time before we head out because my drink is watered okay. down, even though it's only water. Uh, you're your our water, guest. Your so water is watered down. That's what my water is watered down. Your water is watered down. No, that's crazy. Uh, Go ahead. I'm man, sorry. please, sir, uh, tell the people, man, your parting shot, man, where they can find you and everything like that. Okay. Um. So first and foremost, of course, they can find me on Instagram at um at Planet 12 Law. On Twitter, it's the same thing, at Planet 12 Law. Um, my YouTube channel is um, Law Planet 12, so you can easily find that. And, of course, um, my TikTok page is the same as my Instagram, which is um, Planet 12 Law. So they can find me on Law. Also, too, for those who haven't gotten the albums, um, all three of my albums are now available on Spotify and iTunes and all digital outlets. Um, the Planet 12 Syndrome, um, the Planet 12 Live Sessions, and my latest one, Mega Dope Maniac. Um, you can purchase that all on um, on on, on the, all the, the mediums from Tidal, um, iTunes, Spotify, all the digital outlets on, on every level. And the last thing I want to say in reference to that is um, thank you to all of my fans around the world. I am nothing without y'all. I can't do anything without y'all. This is what it's all about. For everybody who tuned in, I got some people on Instagram here too as well. Um, 
thanks to all of y'all guys. I'm I'm not without God and y'all. I'm nothing. Like this is literally um, a grassroots movement that some people thought wouldn't be able to do anything. That's why I said again. So when when you see me with Lionel Richie and and Donnie Wahlberg and New Kids and um and Shaka and some people who I worked with and and they're talking about me, it's because they don't um the other people don't think about the the 15 years that it took to even get to a level where my name could be mentioned and it could be mentioned mm-hmm. in such a way where if it has a positive effect on people. So and I, I can't take all the credit for that. My music has a lot to do with it. But if the fans were not there to support and rally up, I have people who've been, I got people on here who've been with me since MySpace. So, um, mm. real shit. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, Man. real shit. So my Time shout out. Um, Time shout out. Shout out. Shout out to Maverick. She knows, she, she knows what's up. Maverick, Lady Maverick. I love, she's been with me since MySpace. So that goes to show you. Shout out to all of my fans around the world on all of my social medias. I'm nothing without you. I thank y'all guys so much. And thanks to y'all guys again for having me. This is Truly, one of the best interv- interview, in-depth interviews oh, that I've man. I think God, made me blush, man. You ever been seen a black man blush? I can't wait to come back, man. We have so much fun. <laughs> oh, definitely. That's what he I can get a chance to to really talk my shit and, and be the true Brooklyn motherfucker I am. So that's I, 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 I love. I love it. You have so a home much. here. You <laughs> always have a home here. <laughs> I've been telling them. Well, we ain't got a car yet, but. Uh, you always have a home here, man, no doubt. That, that, that makes two uh, of us. <laughs> <laughs> that makes two of us, motherfucker. I was gonna put that shit out there to be able to, to run around like, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, before That's I let Chris go, man. That's how real I am, so, you know. I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, you always have a home here, but before we let Chris go, I gotta give you this. Again, man. I'm going to save my part. Uh, Chris, man, go ahead. Talk to the people. Uh, Law, once again, thank you for coming on, man. This was a fire-ass interview, man. I, I enjoyed I thoroughly enjoyed it. The name dropping. Keep it going. Um, <laughs> Sugar pie, yeah, honey buns. For real. Uh, I if love you. Are, <laughs> uh, if you are into geek stuff, comics, television, television, film, we just got to talk about They Harder, They Far on Netflix last night. Uh, tune in to Blurred's Eye View every Tuesday at eight thirty. Uh, <laughs> check out the <laughs> check out. Sorry, the, Chris, uh, I, I couldn't help myself. That four time shit blew my mind, man. Because <laughs> I because I knew he was talking about. Because I remember seeing that song. It was like Sugar Pie Honey Bun. I love you. I can't help myself. Don't want nobody else. <laughs> oh my God. No, let me that look. I can't really. I do that shit every week. I can't talk. You no, know, we do it. We do a Motown set in our corporate shows. But now, mind you, I, I do an extra step in there for that reason. I'm like, I had to. I'm like, if I do this shit like eight more times, I'm gonna make myself. Because that's literally fucking five minutes song, and these niggas just doing this the whole five fucking minutes. Nigga don't spin. Shout, man, shout out to the four times, but them niggas should have went to dance rehearsal, man, because this shit wasn't it. Sugar pie, honey bun. I love you. I can't help myself. I want nobody else. You hit it with the struggle bop. Dog, that shit was annoying. Love the song, but that choreography wasn't it, man. That shit did not get the cat. 
I'm telling you, ain't no way no girl seen that no, was like, no, I want to no, sleep with Dill. No girl with that shit either. That's, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying. No, like, no, no, what no, no girl like, I want to sleep with them because he doing uh, this yeah, shit right that's here. That's why the Temptations got more love from the, I'm being real. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <for> real. Yeah. <laughs> what I know, yeah, absolutely. You can see yeah, why. That, them steps was like no other. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for nothing. real. Sorry, Chris. Oh, go ahead, God. man. Oh, sorry. But, uh, sorry you can, uh, you can, you can check out Blurred. You can check out Blurred's eye view on IG. That's all one word. Uh, also, you can check out my other IG, Chris.Fury1, TikTok, Chris Fury one uh, Every Monday, I drop a motivational Monday to kind of get the week started. Uh, I'll be dropping uh, character breakdowns pretty soon on TikTok as well. Uh, but tune in every Tuesday at 8.30. We'll talk about the latest geek news, comic news, whatever, along with DC and Candy B. And uh, whatever guests we have coming on for that week. So, yes, uh, we do have somebody coming on next week. I'm not going to reveal that just yet. We're going to put that teaser out a little bit. Uh, but once again, Law, man, brother, brother. We know we know real stuff. Another we see one. it, you know, because me, <laughs> me and DC from the same area. So, we know a real one when we see one, and Appreciate what you provided for us is just like is is well past gold. It's just is legendary. It's ingrained. You know, you you've, it's from the heart, and we appreciate it. We love it. Thank you. Thank real you. recognize real. That's right. Thank you. Um. So because I'm lazy, I'm gonna let this shit run at the bottom. <laughs> um. Before I go any further into my spiel, again, man, I want to thank you for coming on. Um. This show started out, I wouldn't say we couldn't get, we was on the chopping block at NBC. I say that shit all the time. We was right up there with Keenan, <laughs> oh, How I Met that. Your Mother. Like our first season was, it was, it was touch and go. It was a little, it was, it was shady. It was when Fred Shepard, if I could have <laughs> We was that, man. <laughs> we was up there, bro. We, <laughs> we was, we was touch and go our first season, man, but we was able to adapt and evolve uh, and grind and really build this show up to a place to where we can bring on dope ass people every single fucking week Thank and you. it not miss a beat. You know what I mean? So again, man, shout out to you. Uh, definitely got to so shout much, out dude. Katrina at kick up your heels entertainment. Um, when she wrote me the email the first time and said she was in Canada, I couldn't fucking believe it. I'm like, why the fuck is Canada contacting the actor, nigga? But um, no, nonetheless, <laughs> right. I probably shouldn't say that because I should be a little more corporate. I couldn't believe Canada had reached out to Ohio. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, they, there's a history there, but I, we gonna get into that in here though. There's a history there. We'll, we'll save it. Oh. We'll save it. We'll come back oh. to that. We'll circle back. Um, okay. But just to have. Like I said, man, this the first the first season of the show, I couldn't get shit done. Um, I thought about quitting. Um, I was like, I don't know if I want to keep going. I had a dude quit because we weren't doing the thing the way that it should be done in a podcasting game. But I said, fuck that shit. Who gonna tell me how to do my shit? Who gonna tell <laughs> what what are the podcasting rules? I gotta talk like everybody else and cover the same topic. Fuck that shit. I don't wanna be cookie cutter. We're not doing that shit. I'm gonna do things my way. And the only way I know how to do that is loud, crass, brass, and talking shit. Um, you don't like it? This ain't I you. literally thought you was gonna say loud, crass, brass, and kiss my ass, but you kiss my ass. 
I was going I to, but I, 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 I figured I wouldn't be all the way, you know, cocky. But no, I mean, because like I said, man, I don't care if it's five people watching this show or five million. It's going to be the same show every time, every week. We're going to give you all the same energy, man, and keep right. bringing dope ass guests and keep grinding. Um, This show is in its fourth season. We haven't even done 50 episodes and look at where we're at. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's ama- man, that's amazing, bro. This wow. podcast has only been around for a year. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? I, I started been, this. The way y'all operate, I thought it would have been longer than that. Wow, that's I crazy. started this show no, July we, we 27th, just, we have a grind. 2020. We just have, we both I don't like sleep a... to get this show going. I'm up late night posting. I'm answering every fucking media thing as far as this show goes because I want the people to know I feel it. Um, I don't called, take none of this shit called, for granted. It's called, it's called grind. That's yeah. all I can do. That's all I know how to do. Um, I don't know no other way. Like I said, um, this show has only been around a year. Our 50th episode is actually December 1st. Come to find out. Um, wow. It's just the testament of how hard I wanted this show to make it because I couldn't quit because I felt like this show was going to be something. I just well, had to get is, to us. We got, got my vote. <laughs> it is. It was one of my I favorite podcasts. You know, <laughs> I appreciate that. Cause really man, to be, to have people like you on man, who have been, in the game and have accomplishments, man. It just, it, like I said, it's humbling that people, because like I said, our first season, we had two guests and it was two people we knew. And I had to beg them motherfuckers and bribe them with food stamps to even get them to come on. Like, <laughs> 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 yes, sir. Like, I was like, man, I got 20 wow. for 10, man. You can come on, yeah, man. 20 for 10. <laughs> but, now <laughs> <we're> get, <laughs> but now we're getting guests to where I, I kind of had to turn some people down. Like, I don't have a spot for you right now. So to get to that spot in only a year, only in our fourth season, it's a testament to how hard we've been working. God um, is moving. I can't, God, God yes, is moving. Yes, yes, sir. I can't he's take credit moving, for... He's moving, um, because, he's moving because you're putting the work in. Faith without works is dead. So there you go. It's definitely it ain't is. dead because I've been working my ass off. Like, I, I don't believe, sleep. I believe, I can see so it. Like, when we get done with this, I'm going to be cutting clips and all the clips will be on Instagram throughout the week. Uh, Shit, I'm, out, I'm about to go to the gym after I end with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so we all about to do some work. But um, I can't go without saying thank you to WMIC. It's our media group out of New York. Um, you know, they came to us, man. Um, again, when I see these out of town numbers or emails on the list and they want to work with us, man, it's a testament to how hard, um, I've really pushed how hard Chris Courtney, man, Courtney couldn't make it. Cause he's actually was doing a business deal for our, um, production company, black legacy mm-hmm. productions. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know what I mean? So we're, we, we stay, we, we don't grinding. know. We literally don't know. Sleep. sleep what means. the <laughs> fuck is that? But I say all that to say this, man, like you said, we don't ever know who's watching or who's catching our story. So that's why I always tell this story because I don't want people to give up. Um, Cause it would have been easy for me to give up, but I had a lot of people who picked me up and wouldn't let me give up. So I can't let those people down now that we're in a position to where we are meeting dope ass people and we have a media partner and we have, you feel me? So I can't let those people down because they've put so much in, they pour so much into me. I can't let them down. Mm-hmm. Um and the next generation who come up, that's why I say podcasters. I don't care if, if you start a podcast tomorrow. If you need help, holler at me. I don't give a fuck. I give you the game because I don't care about none of that. Because 
I'm in a position to where I can help other people. Um, so I say that to say this. Also, we have a Thanksgiving dinner giveaway for our company. Um, we got seven families. We only started out doing trying to get one. We end up doing seven. Mm -hmm. So look at God. Uh, <laughs> so I said, look, um, look at God. There we go. See. So we'll, we'll be delivering the food. Home. Yes, sir. We'll be delivering that food November nineteenth, just in time for Thanksgiving. Um, we're also doing a toy drive next month. Um, trying to get the kids, you know, what I'm saying some toys. Um, with all that being said, again, man, anytime you want to come on. Drop that line, brother. Your doors is always open. Absolutely, um, man. We are always. I don't care who I got to. How long? Seasons. <laughs> fuck that shit. We'll keep going till the end, till the wheels fall off. Right. Um, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I I, I love y'all guys so much. Thank you. Oh uh, no problem. This was uh, again. It's cliche because I always say it, but this is one of my favorite interviews because they always are. Because Thank I never you. go in. Um, I'd never go into an interview with any preconceived notions or any like, oh, this person, I feel mm -hmm. like they're going to be this way. Like I said, I just want people to be able to feel free to be themselves, tell their story and just have fun. That's what it's really all about. Once pe we, me and Chris found out once people feel comfortable with us, they have fun. Um, this is this is this is, this is us, this, this is us at the bar. I told you that before. Pretty, yeah. This is this is this is a man cave. This is this is what we do. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> um, like we so, literally, we we literally started our shows with the with the with that in mind to say, hey, this is like you said, this is like a bar, this is the safe space, you know, and and mm -hmm. it feel like a you had a black family barbecue <laughs> without your drunk. And, that, and, that, and that's our setting because we know we know what that's like. Like I I haven't been in the the most luxurious hotels and been around the world the five star, but nothing beats barbecue yeah, the local chinese food store and hanging out with your drunk uncles and aunties like that's my that's Indeed. always been a thing me, me and my uncle we're the same way like we're, we're still like that no matter where we done been like that part of me will never die so when i get into situations like this with y'all and, and guys of our caliber it's easy for us as black men to get together and sit down and have some great conversations, great jokes in between it all mm -hmm. and just be our authentic selves whether you need alcohol to help out <laughs> Or whether you don't, it's still you get to be yourself among Indeed. among a whole bunch of black men who are themselves, and I think that's important, man. That's very important. Definitely. Oh God, this stuff. Indeed. So again, clips will be out during this week. I'm gonna be editing the hell out of this because this was a great one with a lot of shit. I feel Thank sorry you. for those who didn't get to see it live. A lot of gems. Um, but fuck them. It was there. You had a chance to come. You didn't come. That's your problem. You know, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna beg you. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you my uncle. That's my, my uncle says the same shit all the time. <laughs> you know, we can, I ain't gonna drag nobody in here and make you watch. Uh appreciate if you do, if you stay and you watch through the whole thing. We always appreciate you. Um, but you're gonna get the clips. You're gonna definitely get these clips. Um next week we got my boy Excursion the rapper from Akron coming on. Uh again, for some reason this whole season has been music centered. We from beginning to end, well, maybe one guest. Our first guest was not music, but after that, every episode has been music. So I appreciate it. Um, and, and speaking of which, you do you do understand that your town is funk capital, right? You do know that, right? Okay, oh, yeah. making sure y'all know. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, Akron, Ohio. Yes, yes, sir. It's Akron. I mean, between between members of Switch and mm -hmm. um, Recipes, Tommy DeBarge. We just lost him recently. El DeBarge's mm -hmm. older brother. For those that don't know. Um, James, James and Philip Ingram, um, Howard Hewitt. You know, I know. That's why I'm like, 
Yes, that's sir. that's I, all I, I, I've, I've gone to the <laughs> same. Yes, I've gone. I'm, I'm gonna book. I'm a book to hire. I'm a monitor. You know that's why. <laughs> that's why you see what they be like. Yo, you don't be showing us so much love. I said because you gotta remember we did the homework all those years. We know. I'm like that's in the same arena in the, in the area. So when you said Akron, I, I went to tell it to you during the interview. I'm just like. Akron, and I said Funk Capital. I said everybody don't yes, know. Said, well, That's why we got swag. Ooh. Ohio, <laughs> Cleveland, Cincinnati, Dayton, and Ak- like all those cities of Akron. That is without question the main melting pot for what we know today as funk music. James Brown created it, but he when it spread like wildfire, the Midwest, the Midwest got it first. Mm-hmm. Midwest caught on to it faster than the East Coast did. Yes, Real sir. Oh, uh, damn, that's all I got. Uh, it was Sarah Dempitis that was listening to Prince earlier today. That's ain't that about Nah, that's crazy. I felt this well. At the end of the night. Well, we got nothing else. So as usual, I'm a uh, I'm a Leo. <laughs> Let's go, folks.